2: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. For the first time ever, I get to say these words. Welcome to the Live Line. There is no Bill Bars tonight. The ginger mess is up in Newcastle. There's no Jarla Beaton. He is scoffing his face in the background somewhere, doing all the touchy bits. So I could just concentrate on Chan. But there is Lee and Luke here tonight to, firstly, live react to the World Championship draw. Christmas is nearly here, boys. And then do our usual two hours of reviewing nonsense, looking forward to other stuff, a weekend darts. We should be announcing the competition winners from last week tonight. Uh, This is where Jar panics because in the background, he's got to go and get me those names. Um, And, yeah, from there. So, boys, first of all, how are we? Lee, I'll start with you.
3: Yes, all good, mate. All good. Uh, Looking forward to the draw. Very excited. Uh, It's the start of Christmas, isn't it, when the draw's made for me? Uh, So, I'm really looking forward to the draw and seeing... uh, what toys we have, uh, and then potential toys we have for round
2: two. Indeed, indeed. And Luke, there is a lot of pressure on your shoulders tonight, buddy, because neither myself or Lee pay for Sky Sports. So you are the furthest ahead in how we currently peruse that selection of television, which means that you are going to be telling us the names as they pop up. And myself and Lee are going to be reacting to them for the first part of the show. No pressure, buddy. But how are we? (laughs)
4: Yeah, I'm going I mean, this is my audition for John McDonald's role. So if I get this right, who knows? Maybe Sky will be on the phone soon enough. But yeah, honestly, the draw day is obviously really exciting. I cannot wait for this. We've got some brilliant names in the international qualifiers this year. So hopefully, even first round, we should have some really good ties. So really looking forward to this. And yeah, long time since I've been on the live lounge. So looking forward to a bit chat about just about darts in general and getting ready for the world champs
2: it is indeed i did notice you have been in the live lounge before though because the other week when i was looking for how many times lee has been on the show i noticed your face pop up a couple of times so this isn't the debut for anybody so debut on the software as you can see this is normally what we'd use for the fallout bar which means we can flash up your comments hello messages and the like up on screen or at least jar can no pressure mate i'm really going to work you tonight we're we'll giving it a go <laughs> to see how it works and i'm just gonna i'm gonna make you work for it i'm gonna make you earn it basically that's that's how it works um, now will be a good time to start saying hello to people in the chat room. Hello to Daniels, you are the first comment at the bottom. Um, hello to Juanita, who says good morning, because obviously she is watching in Australia and everything's upside down. Uh, hello to Rose, hello to Jim, hello to uh, Kieran, Andrew's in. Uh, someone called Lee Borg is in the chat room. <laughs> <fraud>. um, <laughs> just basically saying hello all around. Charlie's in, Charlie's super job. Earlier this afternoon with Jar, you made that one bearable, mate. No <laughs> nine data, though. I know it's... No nine data, yeah. Everyone was smug enough. <laughs> no Gobble will get a nine. No, we bloody won't.
3: That hurts, doesn't it, mate? That hurts.
2: No. I'm, I'm, can you tell by the, I'm not hurt by it at all. There's absolutely <laughs> no malice in the tone of my voice right now, is there? Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> plenty in the chat room though saying hello uh, you guys can live watch this um draw on sky sports news you think it's about quarter past seven in the uk so adjust that to wherever you guys are um andrew says if you have virgin media tv it's free on that which is very good to know and there's talk of also being on the pdc facebook Page as well. Boys, I'm gonna do a bit of magic. I'm gonna try to. These are oh,
1: the numbers fancy.
2: for the draw. Look at that. Jardine would see that one coming. Look <laughs> magic. Um, these are the numbers for the draw. Obviously, how the draw works is the seeded players are already in position. A player from the Pro Tour list will draw a player from the international qualifier list in the first round and the winner of that will then take on one of the seeded players as we make our way through some very interesting names in this particularly around the mid 50 section i have my eyes cast on those um fabian schmutzler fallon sherrick and Toyakazu shibata that is a very interesting part (laughs) of draw especially for me to try and pronounce guys um Before the draw gets underway, let's take a couple of minutes just looking at these numbers um, and trying to match up some potential ties. What do you boys want to see? And quite frankly, what don't you want to see? What is a midweek Tuesday game? Get it on first and get it out the way. (laughs) (laughs) Not to just throw people under the bus. (laughs) That's how I do. Anything standing out for you there,
3: Lee? John Norman, obviously, is an evening Dame, because we, I just want to see that. Um <laughs> just want
2: to see him bounce around.
3: Yeah. How much fun would that be against, I'm just checking where he is, then, someone like number 17, Ricky Evans? That'd be a lot of fun on stage, wouldn't it? Plenty of
2: messing around in that one from Ricky, unless he's got his serious head on. I mean... John Norman Jr. is the obvious one from the right-hand side just because of the antics we've seen on stage from him previously. Um, John is partner at the World Cup of Darts that year, and it was certainly an interesting watch. Um, Luke, any standing out for you?
4: well i'm really looking for the rodriguez brothers so i think John and rusty jake looking out for where they come out the draw because i think they're a big big danger to any of the seeds if schmutzler ends up drawing rusty jake rodriguez we could see a head-to-head for the eu development tour the the top two in that ranking system and i think that could be really interesting they could prove prove a huge threat but to be honest anybody even inside the top eight i think even the likes of going price could end up dropping a set or two against either of them two so that could be a really interesting game i think both are quite exciting players. But one that everyone is tipping is what happens if Fallon Sherik ends up drawing Soljevic again in round two? Oh, the scenes, he will never sleep again if he draws uh, Fallon Sherik. So I'm sure he'll be watching the draw with definite attention on that that number 55. Luke, is, is, is that with um, playing Ted in first round and Menso Seton? Is that, is that the plan in your head there, Mike? Oh, I tell you what, if that happens again, <laughs> I think you get some good odds on that. But yeah, I think Fallon Sherrick, you know, she's a big danger. And obviously, she's the big draw this time round. Everyone's going to be looking for her name coming out. But let's see what Lisa Ashton can do. You know, number 33 as well. She's played quite well in the pro tour. She's going to be a bit of a danger and hopefully trying to get a TV winner under her belt after that win against Beanie earlier on in the year. Plenty of
2: debutants in the list as well folks. Roman Beneke, uh, the Czech player, he's in there, I'm scrolling down through who else has never been to the Palace. Hempel. Any other stand out for you, Juan Francisco Rodriguez, has he been to the Palace before?
4: don't think so. He hasn't. He's never played before. And I'm excited to see both Kai, Kai Smith and Raymond Smith from the the DPA system. You know, father and son combo, we've not seen that before. We'll have to see how they both perform in the, in the World Championship. It is obviously a new one. Not not heard too much about either of them, but we've heard Kai is quite a good player, so potentially proves a bit of a threat for one of the proto names.
2: It does. Like, imagine, at the start of the year, you'd have got good money on there being a father and son combination at the World Championships after John Brown and Steve Brown were both competing through the UK, didn't quite expect it to come from New Zealand though Luke
4: no you're completely right exactly i mean it was a shame that neither of them managed to make it through the uh, pro tour qualified today both have had pretty solid years and and john brown's uk open was fantastic so a bit of a shame not to see him there but yeah you would you would have got good money on these these two making it so it's interesting and who knows you know these unknown quantities that we've not really seen on tv before can prove to be huge threats we saw it with reyes not long since at the world championship when he made the last 16 and knocked out wes newton so there is a few people that can come as a bit of a surprise We'll have to see whether one of these two can spring a shock in that first round and get themselves a shot at one of the seeds.
2: We will do indeed. Lee, any extra thoughts from you before we take a look at the qualifier today? Let's look at the last people that made it through the door. I'm just trying to get that event up on Dark Connect now.
3: Yeah, there's just like said, there's some names I'm looking at. And someone like a Matt Campbell in the International Qualifiers highly spoken about a lot of the time, but then underperformed at the slams. It's going to be interesting to see someone like that um, on the stage, someone like Hempel as well, who we saw had the one at European Championships. So there's certainly some names in there that more than I'm overly excited about or the flip side of that, I'm thinking more of a negative. It's looking to see how they perform and either they push on or see if they can lift that standard. then. So there's a lot of names in there and it's going to be a very, very interesting draw and, and lining up perfectly to it with the form of the three players who have come through today.
2: It is indeed. Right, I was going to try and get you who qualified today or how they did it and have a quick chat about that. But it looks like Sky are about to go to the draw after the ad break that is on TV at the minute. And also, Dark Connect is doing that weird thing where it's not in the list of archived events. So Unless you've got the link from earlier, I cannot find it. Which is a little bit frustrating two minutes before... The draw is live, boys. But if you're one of the players now sat watching, this is the bit where you get a little bit nervous because there is such a waiting to the World Championships in terms of financial rewards, seven-half round just for turning up. A nice little draw here can pocket you some serious money and turn your career around, as Devin Peterson has proven in the past.
3: Yeah, but... I'm with you definitely. It's, it's not just not just that draw, like says it's a seeded and what sort of water. There's some that are looking very tasty. There's some that you there's some seeds that you're probably looking at thinking that's who you're hoping you end up if you can get through your first round game. So there's certainly a lot to keep your eye on with the draw. Uh, i can just see on my screen, I know where uh, Luke's in front of us, but I can see Emma's now on, so the draw is only a, a couple minutes away. It is
2: in I mean, your screen is far, far ahead of mine, Luke, so we're going to rely on you as soon as they do get going. Once the balls are in the pot, I'm literally going to hand over to you to talk us through the draw. Myself and Lee will just pull plenty of weird little faces as we react to the potential ties, and then we'll take a deep dive into those afterwards, as Giles just put in the chat. Much Fabrizio Romano would say, here we go. That means it's happening.
4: You can obviously imagine what they're showing on TV right now. It's Fallen short of 170. I'm sure we're going to see this another 10 to 15 times within the next two years. That's going to be on TV all the time. So they've got to build it up. But we're getting it. Actually, I'm sure if you, if you look, right if if you look close enough, I'm sure I'm in the background somewhere. There, like, <laughs> I was on about it earlier. I'm sure I'm in the background somewhere. <laughs> I'm. No, I am shocked that they've actually brought Fallon out to do the draw, so she could potentially draw herself an easy tie. There's going to be a little bit of a hot and cold balls. If she, if she ends up getting an easy draw, there's going to be a bit of stick. But we'll see what happens. We've got William Mardle here as well, so here we go. I,
2: did,
4: I did not know that Fallon was doing the draw.
2: Me neither. And now I'm a little bit. I don't think a player involved in it should be drawing the ball. I now. don't think
4: that either. I don't think that either. This is a bit dodgy, really, but.
2: Standard, standard Sky and PBC doing what they want. We, we've questioned draws throughout the year. Look, I get that Fallon is arguably the hottest ticket in darts right now. She's one of the most famous dart players on the planet. But for her to be potentially drawing herself out, I'm not convinced by this move. I'm yeah. presuming she'll
4: be doing the pro tour draw and, and Wayne Marl will be doing the international qualifier, so she doesn't draw herself, but it's still a bit... A player shouldn't be involved in the draw, surely.
3: But nice. I would be more... More in kind, if of, she was already in the second round, so I was drawing the opponents and not so much drawing her dame. The fact she's drawing her dame, um, this clip will come back and backfire <laughs> she's also given us an immediate reaction, which I'm sure we might see a few weeks down the line if she then loses first round. <laughs> Or potentially yeah, seven, depending, it's depending it's on yeah, who that's just Yes, very, very strange. Dylan says Fallon isn't drawing yet.
2: That's good. Along the way, then they can complain about it. So the <laughs> Lord. That is the okay. case. Obviously, we are watching on mute because we don't yeah, want. But
1: first of all, let's remind of what happened last year and
4: go with Price now champion. Yeah, we're currently just flashing back to highlights of Go and Price, so they're just doing a little bit of stalling, but we will get getting there. Well, not long now.
2: So, is Wayne drawing both pots? Oh, Colin Lloyd is doing the draw. I didn't think that Marlon had to
4: Ah, okay. Draw. Really? I apologise. I've, I've got my earphones in. I can't hear what's going on.
2: <laughs> Look, we're relying on you here, mate.
4: <laughs> she was stood next to the pots, so you know. It was an easy judgment that to make. It's
2: interesting place to bring her out and put her next to, to be fair. Like, yeah, let's go stick her next to Wayne model at the stand where they're about to draw the balls out. Yeah.
3: Just just one thing, though, to bring up the, while well, they are around in the reel. One thing the calm might fall is that venue to be packed to then for a World Championships. We didn't know of it last year. We had one night of social distance. But to have it back this year, uh, fingers crossed, with every uh, every session near enough sold out, if not sold out already, um, it's the World championship is proper back this year, isn't it? With we've, we've a, a crowd in there, it, is, it makes it a lot better, a lot better.
2: Can you touch wood while you say that? Because I'm not entirely convinced yeah. by the UK government's ability to ensure that this is going on. Because i just very, very inactive and I've done plenty of things over the last couple of days, especially as we are about to have yet more restrictions in the UK. There's, there's the question from Dylan. You think with this new variant it'll be full crowds? We're all hoping so. I think this is very precautionary, very early, if they find that
4: Here we go. We've got Colin Lloyd. He's next to the balls. Yes! We're ready.
2: Why did they not bring Lloyd out to chat to Fallon instead of Wayne? We all know which one we'd rather look at.
4: <laughs> I'm going to miss Colin Lloyd not being at the seniors app. I know he's got a couple of years left before he's 50, but I hope Jaws gets himself out there in a couple of years' time. It'd be nice to see him back on
2: telly. Him and Wayne, I think they're eligible in the same calendar year.
4: Are they? Okay. I believe so. There's a lot of stall, and Sky Sports are really good at this. I mean, we've been on, these have been out for the last five or six minutes. Come on, get on with it. Let's see this draw.
2: Just sit in
3: anticipation oh, just very quickly and Luke, while we're waiting international qualifier one person who you'd want to avoid same with pro tour of merit
2: question
3: lute feel free, free to interrupt if the draw does start but if there's one player to avoid in the international qualifiers and also one in
4: the pro Tour. for he, me i would say schindler from the national qualifiers, if he turns up and plays his game, I think he can play it. He is dangerous. And look, it is the obvious pick, but Callum Rids is, is worthy of being in the top sixteen, so he's a huge danger. If you draw him from the uh, the pro two qualifiers, then that is worrying.
2: I don't want to be anywhere near Raymond van Barneveld.
5: <laughs>
2: yeah, and about the man at World Championship, and I don't want to be anywhere near.
4: Okay, we're getting into this now, guys. Right, Colin Lloyd has drawn the first ball. Here we go. Number ten. It is Richie Edhouse against number sixty-one, which is Li Hao Wen, the Chinese qualifier. That's to play Go and Price.
2: Is it in seed order, so next one? It is. It's in seed
4: order, yes. So, Steve Beaton is out next. <laughs> to play Fallon Sherrick, beaten against Sherrick. Cool. Oh,
5: Staying
3: what alive. a game. The winner plays Highbrechts in that one, in the winner
2: same plays Same Ooh. section as Derwin Price. Three matches away from a Fallon. Versus...
4: Number two, it's Ross Smith, who's had a really good year on the Pro Tour. Against 58, Jeff Smith. Battle of the Smiths. That's a good little game for a first round.
2: That's, that's a very tidy little first round matchup.
4: Number 26, Jameen Watamina.
2: Not at the best year.
4: He plays 39, Boris Koltsov. So another good game for a first round, that that could be Ooh. tight with a winner to play dirty in that one as well yes very tasty port of that Keen Barry is out next to play 42. Royden Lamb another these games are really good good
2: Royden Lamb what a name these could That's be excited
4: <laughs> number 24 is Louis Williams Young Welsh stars young, come good this year. There are
2: plenty of youngsters in this draw, and that is refreshing to see. By the way,
4: Louis Williams plays Toyo Toyo Kazu Shibata. I hope I've got that right. So here we go. That could be that could be another one. No worse
2: than how I tried
4: to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. So Ron moulin Camp is out next.
2: This is one I wouldn't want to play.
4: Lisa Ashton. I think he's beatable. So Lisa Ashton might fancy her chances, but that could be another. Let's see. Could be a tight draw. Is that to play mortal Smith? Believe so. So This is the one you potentially want to be on. I'm betting. William on. O'Connor is out Forward next Glenn. against Danny Lowby, who was obviously played well at the World Cup. Absolutely rapid player and, and potentially could make himself on the pro tour next year. So let's see that another one. its have hey. to play Glenn Doran. Yes,
2: that's a horrible little tie for Glenn. I think
3: Mike Kiebenhoven. This one's for Wade.
4: Oh boy plays against Kai Smith, the youngster that we've just Ooh. talked about from Oceana. So, this is to play Van de this next tie. Adam Hunt, North East lad, plays Boris Karchmar, who's come through the qualifier today. Played well, hasn't quite done his just so far. Oh, TV, play, by the way. Yeah, I'm he is I'm
2: playing well. On average, so. his first round game. That man did not want to give up his tour card.
3: As a non seed, this is the quarter you want to be in, I think.
4: To play Cullen, Ted Everts, the new championship against Jim Williams. That's a really good oh, first oh. round tie. Really good oh. tie. It's not nice for Joe, that. It's
2: not nice for any of the three. That's no. a very competitive part of the draw.
4: Martine Klermacher. I believe this is the time Simon Whitlock, if I've heard right. Yes, mate. Klermacher will play John Michael, so hopefully a chance for him to get redemption for last year and get himself a tie with Whitlock.
2: The deadly rose. Give Dimmy a run for his money on the dancing floor.
4: Florian Hempel. Who's had a good year?
2: Rose's eyes just lit up in the chat room.
4: Martin Schindler, a battle of the Whoa, Germans. That's a harsh a tie.
2: God. That is a
4: harsh That's tie. A is that to play Jimmy. I believe, yeah. Jamie Hughes, up and down against Raymond Smith. Winner was that to play Devon? That might be an afternoon match. <laughs>
2: If you're
4: both of them, you'd fancy that though. Yeah, I think all three in that one. We talked Steve
3: about Steve Lennon,
4: Irish talent, obviously made the World Cup of Darts Final not long since. Against Madar's Razma. That's a difficult tie. He's one of the better international qualifiers, Razman. Has performed really well. Another of Dobbs boys now, isn't it? Merving Tins.
2: Please, Merv.
4: Ryan Joyce. I mean. That's a tough tie. Ryan Joyce is playing well.
2: The man's not going to win the match.
4: Against Challenge. Roman Benecki, the Czech Republic qualifier. Don't know too much about him, but it could be... I not heard
2: Roman Beneky's name until about six weeks ago, and now he's in the World Championship, and he looks a very, very solid player.
4: Ryan Meikle will play... Oh, Mikal plays Schmaltzer. Now, I don't think that's an easy tie for him. We know he's been playing well, Schmaltzer, in that in that last uh, EU development tour. So, the winner don't of that surprise to, package, the winner of that to play Peter
3: Wright.
4: Yes. Luke Woodhouse is out next to play James Wilson, who came through the qualifier today. That's a, I think both players will fancy their chances in that one. That could be a, a good game
2: on that,
4: William Borland is out next to play number 35. Bradley Brooks, another youngster's tie. There is a lot of young lads in this uh, Georgia, yeah. yeah. That'd be a good game.
2: That it might not be the Tom Plus averages, but it'll be competitive and they'll bounce off each other. Of those two,
4: Jason Heaver on debut will play. Juan Francisco Rodriguez. Two unknown quantities, really, on a world stage.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Number 32, Jason Lowe. Last of the Proto qualifiers to face Jay
2: Lowe. Arguably, should have had wins over Van Goen and Gowin Price in Minehead in the last two years.
4: Lowe will face Daniel Larson from Sweden. Another one, both players probably. Fancying their chances,
2: and neither player will be rushed.
4: Number seven is Alan Suda. Started, started really well, maybe me told up a little bit. He'll play Diogo plen- Portella. Ooh. Little interesting one, that one.
2: There seems to be plenty of the low numbers remaining Rids, Barney, Lewis, Scott Mitchell. Aspinall is going to face either Joe Mernon, 27th
4: on the Proto Order of Merit this year. Or oh, number 46, which is Paul Lim. So, Joe Mernon against Paul Lim. Paul Lim could yet make a round two, and he could be a tricky customer for Nathan Aspinall. This is to face Dolan, who made the semi-finals this weekend of the Players' Championships in really good form. Callan Rids. That's a horrendous draw, no matter who he who faces. Either Callan Rids or Yuki Yamada to face Brendan Dolan. So, tricky little game for him.
2: Oh,
3: to face it MBG, these are to be Barney. If this is Barney,
4: it's not Barney. It's number twenty-nine. It's Charles Barstore or John Norman Junior. Oh, if John Norman gets through that and plays MVG, that would be <laughs> all that. very contrasting
2: characters there.
4: Charles obviously playing really well in the online darts lively this year. 23, Rusty Jake Rodriguez. I, I think he's one of my hot prospects for the Pro Tour. So this is an interesting one. Who has he got? It's Ben Robb from New Zealand.
3: Play oh, Dolby.
4: Here we go. We've got number nine, Darius Labanowskis.
2: There we go. Some low numbers are in. I'm predicting 41, Nitin Kumar.
4: It's 47. It's Charles Losper from Ooh, South, South Africa. Africa. So this is to face Luke Humphreys. Barney. Barney, that's Dando. It's not Barney. It's number 14. It's Robbie John Rodriguez against 38 which is Nick Kenny who came to the qualifier. Another one. Uh, you know what? Not many of these matches do look like afternoon matches. There's some really good ties here. I'm really excited for this.
2: He loves a last chance salute.
4: Number five, Adrian Lewis. This is an interesting one. Let's see <laughs> who he gets. To play Ando. To play Ando. Mark Against Matt Campbell. Oh, my God. <laughs> What a section! Oh, that's horrendous. That's
2: no, already my favourite part of the draw, and my least favourite at the same time because
4: I want all three of them to go far. Ian White or first, number six. Scott Mitchell or forty-three, which is Chris Landman, A shot Ooh. qualifier. I think a few good of the Dutch, uh, good Dutch players in the, uh, the West Europe qualifier. Yeah, so.
2: he looks oh, steady at Q scoring, and mean, we haven't heard a lot from Landman. Six, We've got a Barney but...
4: alarm. Number three, Raymond van Barneveld. Who has he got? Phil Taiton. 37,
2: El Argan.
4: Number 37, Lawrence
3: Argan. <laughs> oh my with Argan. With a winner to play Rob Cross? I believe, <laughs> yeah. I've got my favourite quarter, anyway.
2: <laughs> this is banging. Ricky Evans will
4: play... number
5: 41
2: at Nitin kumar
4: what a quarter.
2: this is tidy oh
4: Lawrence lagan honestly these philippine lads uh, philippine lads cannot get they just they can't, can't catch a brick. Bro, can't, they they? can't catch a break the world cup they end up getting england or the netherlands normal itterm got peter right a few years ago i really wanted to see lagan go long but look that's a tie and a half fanele against lagan oh my god with, with this, quarter, this bottom quarter
3: already having seeds of MVG, Dolby, Anderson, Bob Frost, to then have unseeded players of Barney and Adrian Lewis chucked into that quarter.
4: Try and pick the quarter win and one in the World Championship winner, because that is ridiculous. I mean, we've got a bit of recency bias, because we're forgetting Ross Smith, Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith has definitely been unlucky to win the CDC uh, Continental Cup. He's ended up with a worse, much worse draw than he potentially would have got if he played in a national qualifier. So that is tough. Button is going to have his work cut out, no matter who gets through there.
2: Indeed.
3: Down back to just that the draw early on. The Steve beat and Fallon with a win of blanking yeah. That's in the top top four. There's certainly some tasty
4: toys. Not just Hendel against Schindler to play Dimitri Berg. That's a brilliant little little section. That one. For who? <laughs> for us.
2: <laughs> for us. In that bottom section too. Crikey.
4: Joyce facing a check a check for the second year in a row to potentially play Mervyn King. I think that could be a... That could go five sets. That'll probably be an unnoticed one. But I think both players, Joyce and Mervyn King, are in good form. But let's see what Benecki can do. Like the lot of the, the Evits, Ted Evits, Jim Williams time as well. Yeah. The winners
3: by Joel Cullen. Especially with... Jim Lim's having some impressive games at the Slam, and Evit's obviously now the youth champion.
2: I'll be honest, boys. I'm just waiting for somebody to post a graphic of that onto social media so we can steal it, flash it up on screen for everybody to digest. In the meantime, chat room, give me your instant reactions to that
4: Roll. I think Slievich goes out to Suter or Portella. I think both of those will definitely be fancy on their chances the way he's played of late. So that could be another a little dangerous tie. But that one that's just flashed up on the screen for us now. Adrian Lewis, Matt Campbell against Gary Anderson and Raymond Van Barneveld or Lawrence Largan against Rob Cross is just ridiculous quality we're really starting to see the 96 players come into their own because we're starting to see the quality filter through the system I know there was a little bit of apprehension when we first expanded to 96 but now I think we're starting to see we've got enough good players to have some really cracking draws enough let's
2: say hello to a few people Missy was late and we were midway through the draws we didn't get a chance to say hello to her so hello Missy how are you TJ said that was a good draw for Wade. John, Dini vs. Schindler in a World Youth Final rematch. Amble and Ball on the Brooks is a quality scrap. It is indeed good, for sir. Suter vs. Mensor. Beaten the Gonna be awesome. Look, it's been interesting over the last couple of weeks to see which player. It's very difficult to boo Mensor Sulovich. but he managed to get booed because he was playing Fallon Sherok. Surely, 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 boys, that Ali Pali crowd is not about to boo Sir Steve Beaton.
3: I hope not. I
4: hope not. I believe they will, but I hope not. <laughs>
5: Sure, if, they they
4: if, they boo, if they boo Steve Beaton, I, I say we just we just call off the worlds. So I think you have you've, you've lost your right to attend the world championship if you boon Steve And <laughs> You know, I really feel for him because there's so many times that you see him on telly and he gets these hard draws. And to be honest, Sherrick's one of the hard harder draws he could have got for the international qualifiers. I feel like he's in for a bit of a ride there. He could he could get railroaded 3 1 3 0 and it, it's just knocking him back further. I was really hoping he'd get at least a win under his belt, but that's a tough, tough draw for the first round. And the way Steve's played this year, I think you've got to make Fallon quite a big favourite for that.
2: Indeed, indeed. Some early predictions from people then. Dylan says, Colin will make the semis this year. Hasn't been really deep in a major since that loss to Gary Anderson at the World Match Play, I believe. Jack, and they will be cursing the draw more so. Lewis, tough for both of them. Andrew says, Adrian Lewis versus Matt Campbell. That's going to be good. It is indeed Matt Campbell, by the way, in action in the Live League this week. How good is it to have? Some international flair in that one, boys. I've also seen Sebastian Steyer, Thibaut Trickle, um, Campbell. Jose was last week. Who was? We had Jose. Jose uh,
3: last week, yeah.
2: And there's plenty more to come to. TJ, section three. I was ready to pick Brandon Dolan. Then he gets Callum Ridd's. Ouch. Section four, Lewis and Barney on the same side of the draw. Both could go on a run, but MBG still favourite pretty much. Harry, section two is open. We'll give you the full draw as soon as we get an image to go up on that. Hempel Schindler will be a beauty. Completely agree, Bill, unless you are a neutral German, in which case <laughs> you'll be watching it from behind, your, from behind your hands. Because that is a horrible draw for those two arguably the two form German players in the world right now. Clemens has been involved in a lot, but he hasn't won a lot. Empo looked very, very good on the pro tour when he's had the chance. Schinner at the grand slam. Yeah, what one to
3: and I know we mentioned John Norman and how interesting that would be against MVG just to view it. But I think we point aside there how good Chaz barstow has been this year. If Chas yeah, Barstow I- we can get through that first aim. And show a bit of form, then going into Michael Van Derwen with that one down behind him, uh, certainly makes it a very, very interesting tie for a different reason than if it's John Norman. Uh, but he certainly tests him a lot more, I would say, and Chas Bar-Sofit and come through that, as I would expect. Uh, that's not an, an easy start for
4: MVG, or not as easy as you probably would have liked for round two. No, I think you're completely right. I mean, if we if we take away the uh, the box office factor of John Norman, I don't really expect him to average above 90. So, Ch- Chaz is going to win it. And I think, to be honest, if he plays MVG and he turns up with his A game, he's got no pressure on him. Nobody's expecting him to go out and, and smash MVG to pieces. But I think that could be a really interesting little game. And yeah, you're right. I think MVG will get tested. And if he doesn't turn up with his A game, his B game might not be enough. Interesting. I'm still
2: waiting. But a PDC to fire a graphic outboy. So if you do see one, follow, and then we can go through the rest of the draw in detail. Uh, Juanita Hatter has a good run to meet Peter Wright in the third round, but they look very good at times as earlier this week. The full draw is now live on our website, thanks to Jar in the background. Nearly ten, well, nearly ten or ten. <laughs> if you've got nearly ten, then
3: you've got nine or less. <laughs> what, what that might be saying is there's nine,
2: but the tenth is coming from that quarter this year. That's oh. what I'm saying. Up. look. We spent a lot of time at the weekend discussing potential ridiculous runs to go and win the Players Championship final. If the winner comes from that part of the draw in particular, if it's Gary Anderson or Rob Cross.
4: Hardest run for the World Championship ever, potentially, on the cards.
2: Quite possibly, boys. I, I don't think we'd be against saying that. You'd run into Michael Van Gogh before you get out of the quarter, then who'd be top seed from above that? Is it Wade? Peter Wright, wouldn't it? Snake by, and then potentially yeah. Girwin Price in the final, the defending champion. That's yeah, was...
4: incredibly tough.
2: What a ridiculous run that! Up. I mean, we're plotting draws for something that we just can't see just yet. But we are going to talk about that a lot more in depth shortly.
4: I'm, I'm honestly, the, the draws get me so excited. But I cannot believe Lewis has got Anderson potentially. And uh, Barney Scott, Rob Cross, like, what are the chances of the 32 players? It's just, it's insane. We're going to have some really good first round ties and that just sets the draw. It's so, it's so good for building up the hype. I think this year's draw, it's really got me excited. Yeah.
2: Phil Bowers has arrived, ladies and gents. <laughs> yeah. There's no <clears> round <throat> out of <laughs> <laughs> Guess which players? Phil wants to do work. now, i if they do well, it's good for us because everybody wants to see stories involving Gerwin Price and, in particular, his Instagram. He said some interesting things today, we'll get to that more later in a week. In darts, and obviously, Fallon Sherrick is, as has been said quite frequently at the minute, possibly the most famous dart player in the world right now. People that don't know darts are talking about Fallon. I'm not sure that's. Where do we go from here, boys? I'm still waiting on the draw. Can the get...
4: just asked a really good question? I don't know if you've seen that in chat, Gob. Who replaces Charles Losper if you can't make it out of South Africa? If I'm not mistaken, I believe it's one of the three players that lost in the PVPA qualifier today. But yes. what...
2: a list posted earlier, I believe. Once I think
3: again. my debtors' top of I think my debtors reserve one, but it's it is the three
4: from today. I believe the debtors won because that is becoming a more likely situation especially with what's happening with covid so we may well mike decker may well make the world championship after all
2: i'm sure it was tweeted somewhere earlier but i could not find it let's come back to the drawers because it's not up yet philip Wall says did Decker first i was looking for his tweet. Uh, it was very very good earlier on to day we're going to come back to the draw we are going to look back at the players championships from the weekend we're just going to do the final day of action boys because we did do fallout bars throughout we will come back to the world championships draw we will just let it simmer for a bit you guys can take it in once we get a graphic up we'll go back to that as well but we are going to cover all of the players championships or the last day of action in particular
3: Oh, sorry, just very quickly, I've got that tweet that was sent out earlier by Philip. so the, the five reserves in order are Dedekker, Gordon Mathers, Hudson, Dizwan and then Andy Bolton.
2: In the that order. you have been told. I've also just got the graphic for the World Championship, but we've committed to the Players' Championship now. <laughs> just fire it into the back end. We will come back to the William Hill World Darts Championship mm. once we have looked back the final day of action from the players' Championship Finals in Minehead. Dan's in the chat room from the team. He was down there for the entire week as a fan. Jarlif and Phil were also down there covering all of the action. Juanita, you're an absolute star. Thank you very much. Uh, I have that from you. Um, but boys, let's look at all four quarterfinals, then the two semi semi-finals, and the final, starting with Brendan Dolan beating Jose de Sousa 10-4, What a result that is for Brendan Dolan as he continued on his march this weekend, averaging 94. Pretty good for Brendan this week because he won the rest of his games pretty much with a 90.
3: Yeah, done by Dolan. Very assured on his doubles. Uh, disappointing from Jose. Um, didn't see him start the week well against Devon. Uh, come for a bit of a strappy day and then coming into that, uh, what a win it was by uh, Brendan, really. Lottes. It's just to show, dot that, dot that bit of a lead, and then he looked in total control. Uh, and as we've seen, it, overall, a very good, win, good weekend from the Irishman.
2: It was indeed. Luke, let, let's touch on Jose quickly. We know that he's struggled since he had his second COVID jab. He's admitted that he hasn't quite been the same player. He's been trying to work his way back up, said so that he was looking like he was on his way back. Still doesn't look like he is quite there. Perhaps this World Championships is just going to come a little bit too early for the Portuguese Man of Scores for him to be a real contender.
4: Yeah I, I completely agree with you. I think it's a little bit cause and effect. I mean, I'm not I'm not with him all the time so I don't know what how how effect how effective he's been by this uh, Covid jab but it is a shame that his form's dipped at this time of year. You know, we're coming up to all the major tournaments and he's just not been able to perform how he wanted to and obviously couldn't defend his Grand Slam darts title. To be honest, the, the way he's played this weekend, he managed to win a few scrappy games and managed to get himself in the <laughs> quarterfinals, but he, he never had the form that was capable of winning the tournament. And I think, you know, if he's only averaging sort of 94, 95, yeah, they're only a guide. but at the same time, it's not going to win you the world championship. So he could struggle. Hopefully he can get a, a first round win, under, a second round win under his belt, and then potentially get into the, the first to four sets format. Maybe that suits him a little bit better than a, than a short, sharp, uh, the first three sets, but we'll see. I think, yeah, it was scrappy against Brendan. He, d- he didn't look comfortable, and I think he's still still slowly rebounding. But he's definitely, if he turns up and plays his game, he's always a danger. And for me, I think he's still been in, winning a shout of the Premier League, but the, the way he's ended the year hasn't been brilliant.
2: Correct. Like I just said, perhaps it's come in just that little bit too early for him, um, Ryan Searle defeating Daryl Gurney 10-9 in the second quarter final Boys, Ryan Searle just loves winning. He he got away with a lot this weekend, but he made the most of it. And this is another one of those occasions where he just scrapes over the line against Darryl Gurney.
3: Yeah, uh straight over the line with a 1-0-1 average. <laughs> so good. Early on, I'm strictly... Sure he- survived what five six starts I think in the first couple of rounds, match starts. Um, and then and then pushed on as the weekend. Um, but this was such a such a good day between him and Derney. And to flip that as well, Darrell Derney looked, looked gooder than this weekend. There was some on the uh on the second stage saw so some of the numbers there and he, he was found some good stuff. Looked like he's getting back to what we've seen Derney do and seen him obviously win the players before. Um, it's going to be interesting seeing down into the world. But for Ryan Sol, done enough to get through this one. Sneaked through it, as you've said. But one hour, one average from on both players was a, a brilliant game. And for me, the game of this session, uh, and I know it was a session that included right and MVG, but for me, it was just a, a top-class game of 19 lengths It was indeed. Luke, a quick word on Gurney.
2: Look, we're, we're, we're going to do quick words on everybody that gets knocked out because obviously... Because they've played on the same day, we have to talk about the winners a lot more shortly. So a word on Daryl Gurney after wins against Marco Smith and James Wade in earlier rounds. Lee touched on it there potentially about him being on his way back. He's still got that odd little bit of inconsistency about his game, especially before this weekend. But a determined and performing well Daryl Gurney is good for the sport. He is a former major champion after all.
4: Yeah, he really seems to enjoy the players' championships, doesn't he? I thought he could uh, potentially repeat the trick this weekend, especially after a really close tie and, and win against Michael Smith. And then when he did the job against James Wade, you were really starting to think then, potentially, dreams do come true. He is coming into form, and let's be honest, Daryl Gurney's top A game is, is 100 plus average, and it's really good to watch. He's He's got a level that's potentially far superior to some of the guys that are just inside the top 32, but it, it, unfortunately his B game isn't quite where it needs to be to be within the top 10 all the time if he's not playing at that a standard so it is exciting to see him back and i think he pushed so all the way he's he's really come into some sort of form and the world championship you can never rule him out he's always got talent and he is a danger to anyone within the draw so i'm excited to see him playing well obviously he's probably not going to get into the, the the premier league or you know the masters he needs to perform quite well and keep himself within the sort of top 24 range but if you can turn up and win a couple of games at the World Championship, that could do the world of good and then we'll see what happens next year for Daryl Gurney.
2: Well, a couple of games and then you're firmly into the tournament and he, he's got calibre. Let's not forget, potentially should have beaten Gerwin Price last year. He should have beaten the eventual yeah. world champion, Daryl Gurney, running him close at the Ali Pali last year. Third semi-final, boys, and Luke just touched on it. Uh, Lee touched on it, sorry, saying that the previous game was the game of the match. Game of the session, despite... Peter Wright's return to form against his arch nemesis Michael Van Gerwen, can you tell the excitement in my voice when I say that Peter Wright beats in Michael Van Gerwen 10 Luke in pretty impressive fashion from Snakebite
4: yeah, those, those two, that rivalry lives long, doesn't it? You know, they're, they're maybe not the best of friends, but it's always interesting to watch and it was it was another good one. You, you never really know which way it's going to go with Peter. If he turns up and, and does play with the correct equipment and, and plays his game, it, it, he can really challenge Matt Van Gerwen and he held him at arm's length the whole game. MVG was another one that was hotly tipped to win this weekend and Peter Wright just got the better of him so it's again he's coming into form right at the just at the right time and surely as, as he's quite rightly said within his post-match interview with us that I think he is potentially the favorite for the world championship now we he's definitely Ready? he should be shouldn't
2: he he's got to change darts at least six times <laughs> and despite actually sticking with the same ones all weekend look what happens when Peter Wright picks a set and sticks with it and if I'm not mistaken they were the same darts that won in the World Match Play in such emphatic fashion. I genuinely don't think we've seen such a commanding margin of victory for a long, long time at a tournament such as the World Match Play, not since Philip Douglas Taylor was on the scene, smashing people from pillar to post-final quarter, final then, boys. And it was a comprehensive win for Johnny Clayton against Vincent van der The ferret just continuing where he left off, wasn't the most impressive weekend from clayton overall i'll be honest he looked like struggling a little bit in the early rounds or scrappy in the first round um alan Tabbin, i think it was potentially should have been departed by then um but he made the most of it 10-3 victory over the big dutchman um comfortable from the ferry
3: yeah very comfortable from the ferret. i'm surprised you've not mentioned in the previous day, in the statement that um, right Mind at the start of the year about MVG not winning a title in 2021. And the last title that he could have won of, of the year was Peter Wright who made sure we didn't do that. Um, but on to the fourth uh, Four series
2: event. I counted it.
3: Moving on
5: to the fourth <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,
3: Yeah, to, to be honest, uh, similar i to the loser in we 2 with eh? it. Vincent van der Voort didn't show up in this one, but overall then for the weekend, not many would have tipped Vincent van der Voort to be in finals day, I don't think. Um, He's not been great across the year. Um, And then for Johnny Clayton, it it wasn't a great weekend performance-wise, but in this one he was just in total control um, with Vincent. uh, there wasn't great right storing no or great finishing from him in this, but he'd done enough. And and Vincent just wasn't at it on the final day, unfortunately. But did seem get into the latter stages then.
2: Uh, Vincent van der Voort over the last year or so become far more consistent in his game. I think the thing wrong he's had issues with his back injury and, and whatnot over the past couple of years, but he does seem to have added that base level to his game now. And I'm not going to sit here and suggest to you that Vincent van der Voort is about to become the next world champion, but he is more than capable of winning for a couple of rounds and potentially being one of those players that sneaks into a quarter-final. He is that sort of player. and He won't believe you'll win it because he just sit there and tell you no. He doesn't believe that that's what he could do. But it'd be silly to, to go against him when he's on a roll because he is a bit like a wrecking ball. Once he starts going, you cannot stop him. He is emphatic in that regard. Semi-final time, boys. And we start with the first one. We'll go in order. Um, we're going to go all the way through. Then we're going to touch on any other talking points from the weekend, by the way, because obviously we do have some interesting things that happened on the way. We've got a clip of one of those to play for all you guys. Uh, we'll also touch on the Wild Youth Championship as a separate event afterwards. We won't do that in order. We'll keep going through the Players' Championship as it happened on day three. Touch back on anything important from the first two days as well as a talking point, And then we'll do the Wild Youth Championship. Semi-final number one. This was neck and neck for a large part of it to start the game. And then Ryan Sell broke the heart of Brendan Dolan and just went on a rampage to close out the match, Luke. Um, Ryan Sell in this moment, looked like a player that's been doing it for God knows how long in semi-finals, up on the TV stage. It didn't affect him at all. Ran away of it towards the end
4: yeah i mean it's all it's one thing having the talent to go and make a tv semi-final but it's quite another thing having the bottle to then continue as if nothing else is happening that you're under no pressure and really go and do a demolition job on brennan's all and it was quite a convincing victory at 11-6 it was it was it was really impressive as you say Ryan's obviously got the talent we know that the throw is so easy it's one of the most relaxed throws in darts but then to back it up he just doesn't feel the pressure and he really does keep pushing on and I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that within the next five years I'll win a TV title maybe that's a big claim to make but to be honest I think it's, it's an eye on a sureified deal that the way he's playing at the minute to make a, to make a final obviously we'll talk about that in a minute but you know, he really had to do a job. Brennan Dolan, again, hasn't been there too often, so potentially a slightly easier tie on your mind, the fact that both of you are basically there for one of the first times and, and you're both pushing to try and make that TV final. But it didn't phase Ryan Searle at all, and he played really well. You know, he was probably playing his B game against Dolan and still dismissed him, so it's exciting. And I think Ryan Searle took a huge amount of confidence going into future tournaments from that result, that result alone
2: old claim, though, that he 100% wins a TV title. You look at other players that <laughs> we've put in that category even recently, by the way. Dirk van Dijvenbode and Michael Smith still not got over the line, really? Unless you're is trying to push the fact that MVG's won a TV title this year, which means so is Michael Van Gerwen. um Whatever suits your argument at the time, mate. Yeah, we know you're getting about. <laughs> we've been here long enough. We know what you're like. In the chat room, we see the agenda of Jarla. Um, look, <laughs> Been a good year for Brendan, though, boys. Solid on the yeah. pro tour, building his form back up on the TV. Let's not forget, what, seven or eight years ago, he was there or thereabouts as a, as a top 16 player. Not quite got that level at the minute, but he is looking a lot sharper. And that sped up throw, I can't help but think, has helped somewhat in that regard, Lee. I, I, Players that throw slowly for me spend way too much time thinking about the game, and that makes everything so much more mentally difficult than players that just get up and throw the dart—the the, the scar tissue, if you like—they're just thinking about it so much more. It's so much more difficult to play a best of eleven if you're a slow player than it is a quick player.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's been a, it's been a good year by Brendan. and If we're sort of excluding the world from this year, and the way he's ended it, he's got a lot better. Put him in good position. The question mark would have been asked on Sunday, we've been down into first aim when the schedule was released. His first aim after, you know, a, a big win over Derwin Price Saturday night, the question mark would have been on that first aim Sunday afternoon, and he got through that one convincingly. Yes, he didn't push on and then Searle. his percentage checked out, I think at the end of it was under 20%. It was it was a very poor checked out percentage. But then so, but overall, it's a very good run from someone who, yes, we know he had the great run in 10 years ago, but generally on TV, hasn't had these sort of runs. So to seeing that to the semi-final and like says, improve as the year's done on with the quick, with the throw that in quicker. I was about to say quick throw, but that'd be, uh, that'd be taking the mic a little bit. <laughs> it's a quicker throw, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it, it's working and I, you've got to see him now push on into the world and see what he's been doing there. He's certainly a player who can cause damage if that, if that double 16 is, is in He's a bit like ryan joyce in that aspect as soon as that 16's nothing good um, you don't want to leaving him on that because you know he's going to take it in one or two but one to one to watch in the world because he can cause damage against anyone
2: if only he could leave that double 16 for a nine data because it came incredibly close <laughs> in this match two legs in a row man i was like what are you doing man brendan Calm <laughs> down um but it was not to be this Weekend, plenty of one seventies on show the big fish. Fallon Sherrick is inspiring dark players up and down the country. Second semi final <laughs> <laughs> What? Second semi-final boys. Peter Wright is he's 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 a bit good when he wants to be. Ninety four average in this one, but an eleven six comfortable victory over Johnny Clayton. Snake by out in front, forty five percent on the doubles, uh one five six higher to check out. I mean, the one tournament he hasn't promised us he's going to win. He, he told us he hates Minehead and found himself in the final relatively easy without being disrespectful. Again, a tough run, by the way.
4: Yeah, really, really tough run. He, he, he did play well all weekend. I think hate's a strong word for a tournament that's just won you £100,000. So maybe I'll revoke that comment since he's but just, he just hates won the, the tournament. venue,
2: but he won the UK Open Air, his first. And now he just won this one with his B game, basically, or for large parts of the tournament.
4: Exactly, and I mean, when you allude to the run, we're going Keen Barry, Adrian Lewis, Damon Header, who we obviously know has come good this year, Michael Van Gerwen, mm. uh then Johnny Clayton, then no, I've missed no, I've missed um, I uh, know Michael Van Gerwen, yeah. then Johnny Clayton, and then Ryan I No, he did, he had a really tough run, probably one of the toughest you could uh, possibly get, but you know, there's not a lot to say about that semi final against Johnny Clayton. Clayton was playing his B game, right turned up, played exactly how he needed to stuck with the same darts and that was a demolition job and that's all you need to do, that's all Peter Wright needs to do so who needs to convince him to stick with the darts we see this every time we come on the show but yeah, it, it was a really good performance for him and that's the sort of form that he needs to be on going into December, going for another world championship
2: If I ever meet Snakebite in person again, I'm just going to tattoo it on him somewhere, use <laughs> these darts so the man cannot forget it um, but into the final boys and it was Peter Wright against Ryan, so and it was a fantastic final, 11-10 Snake Bite in the end, in the most dramatic fashion towards the back end of the game. Snakey takes the early lead, so hits back towards the back end, goes all the way, there's a 1-2-9 busted in there at one point, um, there's a crowd booing Peter Wright, I'm not sure if that is to do with the Adrian Lewis incident, the fact Ryan Sells a local, or, or a combination of all of the factors, or people just wanting Ryan Searle, to get over the line in his first one, but... Peter Wright is your 2021 Players' Championship final winner. And as he has done so often this year, Lee, Snakey has the last laugh in the Players' Championship.
3: Yeah, yeah, he does. There wasn't there was great uh, performances in there from Peter Wright um, throughout the weekend uh, beforehand. I'd seen a tweet earlier today. I've only got the number of the tweets so all the time and say it was from. But Peter Wright being the first player since Devin Peterson to win the Players' Championship final without a single tonne-plus average in one of his games And he only averaged 92.58 across the tournament. However, he'd done the right things at the right times, which was sort of the opposite about the match play win. I'm not saying he didn't do the right things at the right time, But in that match play, he controlled it from Dame 1 onwards. With this one, it wasn't the fact of controlling it. But at times... Oh, and the perfect example of that was the was the winning dart. That 62, I've never seen anyone go for 62 with the first dart being nowhere near the treble. It was light. Like he was literally setting it up as a single 10, single 20, because he knew, and it was the confidence of Tim Peter right across that weekend, that he knew that that double 16 was down. If, if you're going to place that in as your winning dart, uh, what a place to um, to put it. And I guess, as Bill's saying there, that one two nine. If there's going to be a turning point in a game, it was someone down 129 busting it, then going for it again and missing double sits on the outside for Ryan Salt to take out at some plus. <laughs> you thought it's going to be that night. But Peter Wright, would, like I'd wasn't outstanding in regards to averages, numbers, and that sort of thing. But there were certain things throughout the day the 1-5 sitter then Slater, the bouncing back from busting his store and losing the lead, uh, and then to that 62 finish. Just showing that I'm not reluctant to say that he's the favourite to win the Worlds but he's certainly in the midst. Weaver is the favourite because of the year that we've seen from Clayton and we know what Price and Van Derwen can do. He's certainly in the midst with those three, isn't
2: he? I don't know what they can do, but I'm going to push you on that in a little while. Luke, look, <laughs> as you said, it wasn't the most dominant performance from Peter Wright this weekend. Obviously, we are comparing this TV title to the fact he won the match play, just smashing everybody out of the water. But I think one of the keys to his success this week was that he got out the blocks early in pretty much every game. I don't remember him being massively behind, apart from the Adrian Lewis game where he was up against it a little bit and fought back. But everybody else over the longer format, he got out strongly, was competitive on his own throw, pushed his opponent on their throw and made it count towards the back end when the pressure started telling on his opponent.
4: Yeah, he did. And look, if that's if that's something you've got to give up, you've got to give up a little bit at one or two points of the average to have the ability to just dominate a match from start to finish, then surely you, you're always for that. And and Peter Wright had everyone at arm's length, as you say, from pretty much round one. Keen Barry tried to push him, but could get nowhere near. Peter Wright just kept him at arm's length, kept where he needed to be. And, and to be honest, these first of six are, are quick matches. Adrian Lewis... Potentially should have had chances to beat him. Now, we all know how that one unfolded, and, and potentially we'll talk about that soon. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good performance for him. And I know we're going to say that the averages weren't brilliant. And yes, look, over, over the weekend, not to average one ton plus is pretty poor. But at the end of the day, it's a tournament win. And it's a tournament win that, despite the averages, was pretty convincing for me, especially uh, sort of the semi The final was close, but against the MVG, against Johnny Clayton, he dominated. And I, I was really excited to see Peter Wright playing well again. So, I did think he was falling out of form before the Grand Slam, but you, you cannot write someone off that's won a world championship and has just won the final tournament before the world championship.
2: To be two of arguably the top four players in the world right now, if not over this year so far, so convincingly with his B game, pretty much is pretty tough to do. What we're going to do now, folks, we do have a couple of little clips of the winner and the runner up, Peter Wright and Ryan Selfoy. So we're going to play them in. Reverse order. We'll hear from the runner-up first, possibly one of the most graceful runners-up I think we've ever seen in the PDC. Then we'll hear from the tournament winner, Peter Wright. Then we'll deep dive into anything else that happened earlier this weekend. Then we'll look at the player youth final, and then we'll move on. So first of all, this is Ryan Searle. I you you can get into that top ten?
5: You know, you know, I'd like to be there, but I'm in no rush. I've said all along that if I can play my game, I'm up there with, with the best. I can beat anyone, and um yeah, I, just, I look forward to next season. Ryan, right I, I didn't hear him. So my death, oh, I'm getting old, deaf, and I, I didn't hear him at all. <laughs> that was, uh... As I said, I played in uh, uh, Rotterdam right against Barney, I played against Michael. 10,000 people booing me and I've still beaten. So, it doesn't matter if you boo me, boo me. It doesn't matter. It, it's, it's just, you know, if you enjoy booing me, boo me. And again.
0: Dress rehearsal for the World Championships. You go there full of confidence. You
1: promised us
5: back in June that you were going to do the double. One's done. Yeah, one, one's done. And obviously, I'll get on the practice board, and make sure um, I'm ready for it. Because obviously, everyone else is going to get ready for it. It's going to be an amazing tournament. I'll just, fingers crossed, uh, you know, things don't change and we're going to have a crowd and everything like that. That's the main thing, because that's what you know. We need the darts fans in there, and uh, they're amazing. You know, that we want to perform in front of them, and that's what it's all about. The Fab Four, as it's being called. Michael stuttering here, Gazzy stuttering, Johnny
0: not is his best. You know, the favourite for the world championship.
5: Not really. I don't know. <laughs> well, I should be really, but so it's up to the bookies but uh, it's up to to them they're they're forwards they don't put me favourite so they'll they'll lose money if they
2: don't what a character plenty said there from Snakebite. let's start with Solo just a short clip is he a player that you look at and just think I want a little bit more from you in those situations I want a little bit of you coming out and saying actually yeah I will be a top 10 player mark my words or yeah, look, I will turn up and I'll beat these players rather than I hope so, I'm not in a rush. Don't get it wrong, it's a, it's a very laid-back mentality that we see from so, but it is quite different to what we're used to of top, top-level sports players. Not every not a lot of top-level sports players are likable. Not every single one of them is. But they all have that you have to have that arrogance trait as a sports person that genuinely makes you believe that you are the best at something if you're going to be the best at something. You look at the best players in the world—they can come across brilliantly. Tiger Woods. You look at um, LeBron James and Michael Jordan, etc. In basketball, you look at Messi and Ronaldo. They're not always beating their chest and shouting about it, but if you ask them who's the best of something, they will tell them, tell you it's them. And Ryan Sell doesn't seem to have that about him just yet, does he?
4: He doesn't, but he, he echoes the same sort of things we were hearing about Johnny Clayton last year. To be honest, does Johnny come out and boast about his achievements in in press conferences? Not really, and he's a really likeable guy. And I think all I would really like to, sell, to see from Searle is a little bit more emotion on the stage. You know, when these big shots go in, we just want to see a little bit of emotion to the cameras. Just, just not necessarily beating your chest, but, you know, the little finger point we get from Johnny Clayton is enough just to acknowledge that, you know, I've hit a good shot there and you've got to appreciate that. That's all we really want to see from Searle. As, as far as a gracious loser goes, you, you compare that interview to, to what Adrian Lewis came out and said on Twitter and it is night and day. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. If there's any young lads or, or, or young women watching this, Ryan Searle is an advert for taking, taking a loss and then just rebounding from it. He, he's not worried. Yes, he's he's still a young lad and he's got plenty of time left in the game, but he hasn't taken it to heart and, he, and he's just accepted that you know you can't win every tournament it's his first major final and and he is going to rebound but yeah for me it's just a little bit more emotional on stage that's all we really want to see from Ryan Sell as far as the game goes and as far as that the, the mental attitude goes I think he's spot on
2: yeah look and uh, plenty of people will be surprised by that line of questioning from me as somebody that has questioned some of the players at the opposite end of the spectrum being overly aggressive perhaps in their celebrations or the way they act on stage or the way that they carry themselves Go in Price, for one. I'm not particularly keen on the way that he carried himself in interviews and the way that he can come across overly rash. But I do think there's a happy medium somewhere in the middle that makes you more watchable, more likeable, more relatable to people from back home. Fires you up a little bit, but also there's just that some, little something about you.
3: <laughs> See, I'm quite the opposite to Lute. I think in the sense of what he's doing at the moment, I wouldn't be looking to change anything down into the world's He's got that every speaks, is how he also comes across. He's got that very relaxed sort of approach. Um, and that's what's got him to where he is. Maybe there, there is a difference, not maybe, there definitely is a difference from the step to where he's now to actually going on to being one of the best players. Probably the next step you are looking, obviously, is like winning something down into the Premier League. Those sort of steps are there to be made. But he seems quite calm about that step will happen, but just when he's ready for that to happen. For Me, I don't think he should be changing sort of his name yet. He's got himself into his first final. He's got himself, if Peter Roy doesn't hit that double 16, he's potentially got his hands on the title. Um, it'd have been interesting to see with him how relaxed he is coming to three matched with his first TV title would have been very interesting for me. I'm quite the opposite to, to let him carry on as he is. Let's see where we can get to. Let's, it's too early for me for sort of the, the Premier League tour. Uh, I know I've Sort of just round a few people up in the chat by dropping in while the videos are oh. playing. I am ter- I think it's right in the sense of now he hasn't money. Questions would be different if he had, but now he hasn't money. There's, there's 10 players, and we seem to always talk about now for different reasons, whether it's a winner or a fan or all, all those type of different variations for the Prem. For me, it's not right that Ryan's in it this year, but he's had a very, very good year. And I only see that getting better next year. Whether that's a push from where he's in the world to them being in the top 10 is different. But I, I expect him to at least maintain the level he's had this year. And if he can do that in 2022, I would say that's another very good year. You've not always got to make that huge step up. It can be yeah. steady.
2: You mentioned the Premier League, though, and that was part of the reasoning behind my question. And then Jamie makes a very, very, uh, an observation in the chat. I'm hoping Jar's noticed it as well that one. Searle's lack of ego is what will keep him out of the Premier League at the same time. We've literally spent the last two to three weeks talking about how you need to be a character in darts in a a sport at the minute that is dominated by who is more marketable. It doesn't matter about your results. You can force your way into that Premier League, don't get me wrong. James Wade looking very likely to do that at the minute as a top four player. That is the only rule. And let's be honest, there's still potential that the PDC change their bloody mind on that rule. Ryan Searle, I think, would potentially fall into that category. He's brilliant for darts fans. He's brilliant for the sport that he's incredibly relaxed, he's got such an easy action on the eye, etc. But does he do enough off the hockey that isn't just throwing a darts for him to be included in the biggest exhibition on the planet of dark players that people want to see going at each other and, and selling you a story? Yeah, but I, mean, I think I think both sides of that, even even on the
3: just looking at the plain side of it, not the the old commercial marketing piece or any or anything else that people bring in the media or anything like that, for me, I still think it's twelve months, at least 12 months too early for Ryan Searle to be in the Premier League. Even from that, even from, I think there's 10 more, I think, who are in a, a better place than him. And I think it's better for him as well. So I think another 12 months, where he can be and what he can achieve in the next 12 months will put him in a better place. Instead of going into the Premier League a year or two too early, as we've seen, to have a knock-on effect to many a players.
2: Yeah. Again, staying on the Premier League, just shortly, we're going to hear from. Um, we'll, we'll discuss the incident from the weekend very, very shortly. But as we're talking about the Premier League at the minute, we've seen Peter Wright say that he would put Fallon Sherrick in the Premier League after she was involved in the draw earlier. We've seen Gowin Price say the opposite. He ruled that out completely the other week. Here is Adrian Lewis talking about whether or not he should, would put Fallon Sherrick in the Premier League.
0: I know I've got a, a lot more give than that. That was just a, a starter kind of thing. And that's what they watch, that's what they missed in the minute. I think the characters aren't the same as what they were. I think there isn't enough characters in the game at the minute to push the game forward. The, the only good thing I can say is Fallon Sherratt coming through I think she's been a breath of fresh air to anybody and I thought she's awesome On Fallon as you mm. her, would you put her in
4: the Premier
0: League I think before the Peter Wright game I'd have questioned it because it was a short format game she's always played in after the duration what she performed in that tournament an average 100 after was it 30, 30 legs oh dear well Few uh few It might do. Uh, I just hope she can get a tour card. But also, like I said, I said to you, it's off the camera. Lisa's been a bill overlooked, in my opinion. I think she's the one who's got the tour card. So I reckon we open up, put, put sixteen players in the Premier League, and, and make two <laughs> women. That's
2: what I say. Can't help but think that last line was perhaps to suit Adrian Lewis's shout for a Premier League <laughs> spot as well. His TV record has not been. Fantastic of late, but the campaign for Palutero to be included in the Premier League continues to gather pace. And we're just potentially five weeks away from finding out that lineup. I'm not sure the exact date, but it must be something close to that. Talking of Adrian Lewis, it's almost as if we planned this show, by the way. The way that we're just transitioning into it. He was involved in arguably the biggest talking point. Of the weekend it was up on stage against Peter Wright in the round before we started talking about the weekend earlier um after the game him, Peter Wright and Adrian Lewis had to be separated by security um Lewis led the match three-1 snakey fought back, wins a decider but had earlier accused uh, Adrian Lewis of finding a loose floorboard on the stage and making sure that he still on it when Peter was throwing it all kicked off a little bit. Adrian Lewis said some things on social media. Uh, The PDC poked fun at it by saying that they should send a Christmas card, which potentially might happen with proceeds going to charity after Adrian Lewis um, laughed it off towards the end. After he calmed down after about two hours, I think social media started to respond a little bit better to him. But we did catch up with Peter Wright after that game as well, as he was the winner. And this is what he had to say on the situation. Adrian Lewis has been quite vocal on social media. I know he said, you said you haven't heard it. Will you take a look at it?
5: No. I'm bothered about it, you know, in the comments and whatever like that. Do what to <laughs> You know, people, if they want to put stupid messages on there, put stupid messages. When, it's, it's up to them. When...
2: I, I have a lot of time for Peter, right? And I'm, 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 I'm not going to comment on the internet anymore people have seen it it's all over youtube etc that was just his thoughts but in the space of two clips that we've played on this show tonight peter has effectively said come and get me to everybody booing and come and get me to everybody on social media we've seen go in price take that approach before and it's not gone down too well for him over the last couple of years (laughs) it's a bold strategy to to nick a phrase from dodgeball luke
4: it is, it is. Let, let's not beat around the bush. You know, this This dismissive attitude that he's got sometimes maybe come across as just, just a bit arrogant, really. But equally, and this is this is where our thing... And to be honest, Adrian Lewis is one of my favourite players. Maybe for his nostalgia, maybe for anything else. When we've got a flow in Adrian Lewis, he's brilliant to watch. But equally incidents follow him around and it's not and i don't think that's a coincidence you know he's it, got a brilliant arrogant attitude and that's what's winning the world titles but at the same time that's his biggest downfall because he cannot take a loss and he doesn't take it well we've seen it too many times on the pro tour and on the big tv stage that he has arguments with players all the time so i think to some extent people yes maybe with when and price did had his incident with gary anderson that was sort of a a cut and dry thing that he overstepped the mark but with it with peter right it's a little bit like well we all sort of know what adrian's like so you know is there some truth in the matter that peter Wright wasn't really in the wrong and, and adrian was, was just clutching at straws i think maybe the attitude was the wrong way to take it but because it was adrian lewis and not somebody else i think he'll probably get away with it yeah for this tournament he got booed a little bit in the final but that'll soon be forgotten because i don't think He's not going to get fined for it, I don't think. And it wasn't anywhere near the same extent as what happened in the Grand Slam of Darts final a few years ago.
2: Yeah, completely agree, Lee. And Lee, look, I'm a big AD Lewis fan. I think Luke is the same. But there was one little bit that did make me chuckle about it. And Rose has just said exactly the same thing. He's like, I've been involved in this sport for nearly 20 years, and I've only ever fallen out with three or four players. <laughs> That's just not true, <laughs> is it? We can sit here and list every single time Lewis has been involved in a bit of to and fro. Peter Manley, uh, Jose Justicia. You've got Peter Wright falling out. You've got Giraffe Gateway, which perhaps isn't classed as a fallout, but you know, it's certainly up there. AD Lewis has got a little bit of a reputation for this, and it precedes him far more than he thinks it does.
3: Yeah, and that's three or four. He's saying, "We, you've just named four. Yeah, Nicklestone that are, <laughs> are yeah that are on stage. Yeah, this is not off stage where a, a lot more conversations happen. And um, three or four. Maybe putting those numbers together that might be closer. 34 would be a closer number than three. <laughs> well, the first
2: time I was ever at the match plate, back to back years, was the Gerwin Price fallout, yeah. years ago where you can't practice crap in yourself, as the quote goes. That just.
3: Yeah. The, it's, yeah. It's part of his name. I don't think he's ever going to change it. And we've looked at as much as it is a positive to have everything the across, he's got to play that way to, to have that sort of arrogance about you. I've always been like that with anyone. To be arrogant, you've got to be able to, to bat it up. At the moment, he's he's not. There was there was parts of it. If you want to look at his weekends, just very briefly, if you look at the hybrid stain, that's the arrogance you want. You've just fired in bat to bat some plus chet out, you've got something there to back that up. Then when it's stuff that is coming out in the in the bath, I'm not a big fan of. But um, overall, that incident aside, it's a better Lewis than what we've seen at the start of the year. Um Hopefully, we can see him coming back and he's asking for 16 players in the Premier League. I'm totally with you on that, Dob, that that is nothing to do with the fact of putting two women in. That's thinking, well, if there's 14 spots instead of 10 that Art <laughs> and 5 for, oh, it puts me in a better position in, the, in 12 months or 24 months' time. <laughs>
2: Especially if he has a nice run at the World Championships, because we all know how that can turn your fortunes around. Boys, one more little word on Peter Right then. Um, look, wins a ton pretty comfortably with his B game. We've seen him win two TV events this year, one with his A game every single round, one with his B game pretty much every single round. He's going to need that A game to turn up again though if he's going to win that World Championship, isn't he, mate?
4: He is, and especially with how stacked the bottom half of the draw is. You know, pretty much anyone who's going to face in the semi-final is going to be of a very good quality. So he is going to have to set up a player well. There's there's no way you can code through on your B game to win the World Championship. It, either Johnny Clayton, Gerwin Price, or Michael Van Gerwen of this so, so-called Fantastic Four is going to do well, and they are going to play well, and you're going to have to play really well to beat them. But look, if anyone had offered him the last title before the World Championship, he'd have bitten your hand off. So let's just see what happens. It brilliant tournament to win and he should be full of confidence let's see whether he holds his promise up and we can win the match player and the world championship in the the same year
2: Will be interesting indeed let's move on to talk about the world youth championship boys as we have a new world youth champion i'm sure this will throw out plenty of debate in the chat room around what a youth player is as well as it often as it you know as it pretty much does frequently and before we do move on a quick reminder good folks if you haven't already do please click that like button on this live stream subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of our content uh, we're going to be here for all of the world championship and beyond um q school live will return we'll be doing live stream of every single day of q school action next year we'll be covering the wdf world championship the World seniors as we are the official media partner of that and moving on, uh, we hit 17,000 subscribers today, so thank you to every single one of you in the chat room. That is one of those. If you're not, you are certainly missing out. Click that subscribe button. Click the bell icon so you get notified every time we go live. That will also include the live league, which is on daily at the minute in potentially the most exciting lineup we have ever had. On that at the minute, we have gone international boys. It absolutely su. Per. Right on to the World Youth Championship, and we are just going to go from the top sixteen because there was plenty of games in the group. But I'll talk you through the top sixteen that made it through. Nathan Rafferty uh made it through to take on Jack Mayo. Adam Gaulas uh, took on Callan Ridsger. Nenche took on Liam Meek. Barry Ke- uh, Barry Keen. I've nearly gone, then, folks. Is Keen Barry? Not <laughs> we're like on this channel. Team Barry, Kieran, Tien, Kevin, Doitz, Bradley, Brooks, Rusty, Jake, Rodriguez, Lewis, Pride, Ted, Evans, Neil, Donovan, Keelan, Kate, and Louis Williams—a truly, truly incredible lineup, boys. But well, I think that was pretty much guaranteed, considering the strength of the field before we even got to the knockout stages. The group stages were absolutely stacked with the 32 players involved this weekend, and I think that was definitely the right move to make up in it to 32 as, as late as the PDC did.
3: Yeah, the right, the right move in regards to opening and the right move for me running the event across the same day. Uh, initially, I thought it was across the same weekend. I thought it was going to be Saturday and then Sunday night the final. But even that, the, the same day, we, we saw a quality uh, quality final that had probably potentially been question marks if we hadn't. We've all been on the same day. But generally, I thought it had done very well. Uh massive shout out to Jar, and I we covered it on the day depth up to date of everything that was happening. Um, but it was it was a, a quality field and it, it was quality action um, throughout the day. And just looking at the draw, just some of the names like Louis Williams, you're expecting to have a good run, being not take 5-1 in the last 16 Dame and then Thiel and Kay examples, Honourable, Ted Everts, just a couple of those quality games that we had in the last 16. And this is the youth. And it goes back to when you was talking about the draw and both you and Luke mentioned it, that we've got so many of these young players in the world draw. The reason we have is the quality of the show in throughout the year on various different tours
2: well let's let's do this let's show you folks what happened in the group stages it's amazing what we can do on this software as opposed to phil being in charge there we go boys hopefully that focuses a little bit for you In group A, Jack male Callum Rids made it through Owen Roloffs and John Brown were the ones to exit. Group B, Adam Gallas, Nathan Raffi, Reese Coley, and Joshua Richardson missing out. Joshua Richardson, the former BDO Youth World Championship winner. Uh, Jared Cole finishing bottom of his group. This how competitive it is. Jared Cole finished bottom of a group. That includes Shizuka Nakamura. Keen Baron Liam Meekly wants to get yeah, out of that one. Dom Taylor was leading the development tour order of merit through the first weekend in the UK. He finishes third. Uh, Victor Manuel Rodriguez knocked out also. Uh, Lee Lock Yin and Tobias Fisher missing out to the international players. Fabian Schmutzler rocked up as a 16 year old to the EU development tour second weekend because he wasn't old enough for the first weekend. We'll be at the World Championships. to talk about who he's got very, very shortly. He's knocked out in the group, as is Jurgen van der Velde, uh, Nico Springer, Sebastian Bierlecki, not to leave for either of those two, and Michael Verboek and Cameron Anderson also exiting boys. So that left us in. That's the group. So let's hide that one into the last 16 where this happened. Nathan Rafferty beating Jack Mail, Adam Gaulas beating. Callum Ridds boys arguably the favourite for the title this year Callum Ridds qualified as the top youth player on the PDC as a tour card holder um, that's a very very surprising result in that one Lee.
3: yeah very surprising Ridds was the one that we was uh, was heavily tipped especially to that further if not go on and win it when when you're in them latter stage you sort of anyone can go on and, uh, go on and lift that title with a performance and how good they are in one day, but Callum Ridge expected him to that past Adam Dolas, not playing at, the, for me, the, the level that we've seen him play previously, had a decent world top, um, but surprising winning was the shot of that, of the last 16.
2: Yeah, the Dutchman beating Liam Meek, another 100 average, the, the, the fact that the Utah produces 100 averages so frequently these days is absolutely frightening, especially at this top ends, these averages are pros, averages let's, Let's not beat around the bush. Uh, Keen Barry beating its compatriot Kieran T in Tien 5-1, who we saw at the World Championships before. The reigning World Youth Champion was beaten in the last 16 by Kevin Doitz, the Dutchman, dispatching Bradley Brooks with 104 match average some performance. That Rusty Jake Rodriguez, 5-1 victory over Lewis Pride. Cool. Um, Ted Evitts convincing win over Neil Zonneveld, a tour card holder. Keelan K beating Louis Williams five one. Keelan has been playing in the live league throughout the year, as has Nathan Rafferty. By the way, and he's involved today onto the quarterfinals. And it was Rafferty that beat Adam gallus Nenches beating Keen Barry, perhaps surprising that on board, especially Luke, after Keen Barry played so well up on stage against Peter Wright earlier in the weekend.
4: Yeah, and I think this is why it's very difficult. And I know we'll probably touch on this about why where you get the distinction for like the youth slash development, because there's a few players that are in here, like Rids, who I think is already developed, you know, he's topped the pro tour order of merit theoretically. No matter what his age is, he's already a professional darts player. Keen Barry is someone that I think will benefit from being in the development tour for the next couple of years, even though he has a tour card, because he can still play against the top lads in this tour, and he can't beat them week in, week out. He's not exactly dominating the tour. So it was interesting that he did get beat by Nenches, especially as you say from what saw against Peter Wright, but obviously it's going to, it's a fine line and it's difficult and I know people have criticised Ted for being at, still in the World Youth Championship at 24 but Team Barry's still a really young lad and he's potentially got six more years so how, who knows how many youth, World Youth titles he could potentially collect, he hasn't won this one this year, but next couple of years let's see what happens
2: Yeah, look, we'll, we'll get on to the age debate no doubt, very very shortly, but if you look at the age of the last four winners I think it is 23 24. Uh, however, Brooks was I think it was 21 and then another 24, which certainly makes for an interesting conversation. Kevin Doets continuing a good run, beating Rusty Jake Rodriguez 5-1, some victory that. And Ted Evitts beating Keelan K uh, on to the semi-finals. The last games that were played in Reds and it was Nathan Rafferty beating Gert Nences 5-3 and Ted Evitts beating Kevin Doets 5-1, boys before the final in which we have a new world youth champion and one of the most successful development tour players of all time lee bowing out with a world youth championship yes he's 24 again we'll talk about that in a second but it is a fitting end to tell Everett's developmental career
3: yeah he's uh he's been one who obviously we've seen him with a and then Lose it hard, but on on this tour, has just been incredible. The amount of titles he's picked up, picked up a top believe this year as well. Um, in that final, there was there was parts of it where, uh, especially early on, where you thought Rafferty's potentially done here, and that experience at the Slam would have helped. Um, but Ted, Ev, he deserves a title, I think. What it, what he's done himself in this, uh, in the, whichever we want to call it, in the youth development, whatever sort of terminology we're using across the years, he's just been, he's been so good. Um, so, massive congratulations, Ted Everett. And I'd just love to see him now have a done run. It seemed like he had a bit of a knock on, and I know there was an interview sometime this year, a bit of a knock on um, from the Fallon defeat, not in, not just him, we've seen experience pro immense and the effect it's had on him once and potentially now twice. And, um, it, it'll be now, hopefully. We'll see that confidence from Ted um, and we'll see him push on next year. Um, well, I'll say next year, hopefully, down into the world.
2: We will indeed. And Luke, a word on our runner up, Nathan Rafferty. Um, he's had a decent year, Grand Slam participant, um, not to be in the world final, but he does look a solid talent, as Nathan Rafferty. His action is very easy, very free throwing potentially, well, he did miss out on Q School earlier on the year, but he's got to be up there in contention for it this year, surely.
4: Yeah, if I remember rightly, Nathan had a family on Medaille earlier on the year, and that's the reason he missed Q School. So he's rebounded really well and and fair play to him because towards the end of the year, he's come really good. You know, the, the Grand Slam was brilliant to watch, to make it out of the groups. Nobody really would have called that. So he did himself justice. And again, to make the World Youth final, he's qualified himself for the Grand Slam probably next year, unless they change the rules. So he's done well. The Grand Slam could become a a bit of a grounder for him if he can get through another group stage next year. But again, showing, I'm pretty sure Nathan's still got a few years left as well. He's only 2021, So you never know he could be another one that could potentially win a World Youth title in future years. But he pushed Ted hard and a 93 average in the final is pretty solid he's got a good action. He looks like a player for the future and I'm excited to see how he develops going into the next couple of years.
2: Most definitely indeed. Ted Everton is your new World Youth Champion. Um, boys, we've, we've beaten around the bush for a little bit too long now. About the age debate, it's been going on in the chat room, it's been going on on social media. As you get inevitably every year since the likes of Dimitri Vandenberg won back-to-back titles at the age of 23 and 24. And I think this is just another... Branch in the conversation that perhaps the PDC need to have a, a rejig of all of their—I don't, I don't know what the word—all of their competitions really in the way that you qualify for different things. We've seen backdoor entries and and the like of, of certain competitions. you have seen double chance to qualify. Now we've got the debate over World Youth Champion. Obviously, that used to be the Youth Championship. Now it's the Development Tour. So should it be called the Development Championship? But does it quite sound as good as we've seen Dan Dawson arguing on social media? Look, it's quite easy for us to have that conversation with. Andrew brings up a very good point that the United Nations regards you for someone between the ages of 15 and 24. That's just one year difference between what the PDC allows in their event. Nile no, is in the chat room as well, boys. Luke, we'll start with you. Is 24 too old to be a World Cup champion?
4: Look, I think you're developing the player, not the age. I don't think it really matters. And, and yeah, I'm not saying that we should start throwing potential 50-year-olds that are just coming into the sport into a World Youth Championship. But at 24, you're still a young you're still a young man or a young woman. And I think that for that reason, I, I don't mind the age being as it is. What I have got an issue with is pro tour players who are very much at the top of the game, the likes of Callum Ridds, who's within the top 10 of the pro tour order of merit, and um, he's qualified top outside of the top 32 seats this year for the world championship surely his development journey's already been done he's won two titles on the pdc circuit this year does he really need to be playing the development tour i then look to someone like keen barry who hasn't won anything on the pvc tour yes he's won a tour card but i think it's going to do him a lot of good getting that experience of playing against the young lads and why should he be disadvantaged because he's got a pro tour card when he is still well within the age bracket for me, I don't think 24 is too old because players come in at various ages, and I still think you're quite young at that age. So I haven't got an issue with that. But maybe there has to be a cap that says if you're in sort of the top 48 players in the world that you can't play in the World Youth Championship. And I know some players would be really disadvantaged, and and, and someone like Rids might feel really hard done by for that. But you've got you've got to ask yourself the question: If you are a player, are you, are you are you developed? You've already won titles. What what more is there to do that you that you need the development to afford? So. I don't mind it too much, but I think there has to be a cap that once you get to a certain level of ability, you, you can't play in the development to anymore.
2: I think that's an important distinction to make, Luke, is that I have absolutely no issue with anybody within the age range competing in the World Youth Championship. They're good enough within that age bracket. That's absolutely fine. The issue I've got is the minute you have a tour card, you're one of the best 128 players in the world, regardless of your age. That's where I draw the line. I know that you can't, if you're a top 32 player and they might start edging that further back once you're in a pdc but if you are good enough on your on that day to go and win yourself a tour card you are developed you're one of the best 128 players in the world at that moment according to the way the PDC system works you shouldn't be getting the opportunity to go and hone your game elsewhere against players that are trying to work their way up to be at the point where they can be a tour card and professional dart player. That is ultimately the difference between the development tour and the pro tour, and that's where I've always had an issue with it. Even as somebody that's played on it before, I have been the benefactor of the age rule. I At one point, was, I'm pretty sure, the oldest player on the tour because you have to be 23 or under on the day of the World Final, the day after the World Championship Final. My birthday was two weeks later. Luke Humphries was a month after that as well. At one point, me and him were the two oldest players on the tour playing at 24 for pretty much the entire season. We were 24 for nearly three months before the tour even started, but we were eligible for the entire year. So there's, there's a big difference between my ability and Luke Humphrey's ability. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Um, but yeah, that's it's even as a benefactor of it. That's the, that's the line I draw. It's the tour card issue. I've got a problem with not the age bracket later on a development tour.
3: Um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. That for me, with, there's so many different tours now, and I'm even going to throw the nephro, the, the, uh, the women's into this, for me, if you're on the main PDC tour, you should not be participating in a second one. The only yeah. people who, who should be participating in a second mm-hmm. tour are the reserves, who then end up playing on the main PDC one in the pro tour events. And yeah. that is just because you are a reserve playing in that event, and that's a step up. Um, every other tour apart from the main PDC one is, a, is in theory, a step down. So if you are then able to play on that level below, it just, for me, just doesn't uh, just doesn't seem a bit right. But just obviously, someone who has benefited from it is is Ted, having that experience of, of playing on both, winning the titles that he has over the years, um, and has seen him now go on and and win that title at the age of 24.
2: Well, you look at the players that have come through that production line, if you like, Luke Humphries, Dimitri Vandenberg. Uh, Jeffrey Desvan on his way to the top 32 player that he was. We've got Ted Everts involved in there. We've got Bradley Brooks. We've got Nathan Rafferty. It has produced this absolute procession of players. But I just think that standard is, is competitive enough there. And look, Andrew makes a good point. You aren't really developed. Some of the young players do get smashed on the pro tour. But it was their decision to go on the pro tour. And, and that's got to be a decision that they yeah. make if they're ready or not. I still don't think that because of their age, they we even if I'd been in that position, we should, there should not be the option to play in both. Once you're in the pro tour, that's it. You're in the upper echelon. Um, Q-School may well be a lottery, but again, you're at Q-School with the intention of becoming a tour card holder. You're in you're at Q-School with the intention of hoping to be a professional dart player. Yes, you might be there to potentially hope you're a challenge tour player, but at that point, I, I'm not sure I agree with that mentality. You've got to back yourself to to go and be a tour card holder. Aaron Beeney is one of the prime examples of that. Some of the early youth winners are nowhere now, Tommy. Yeah, perhaps, look, some of them have certainly struggled. Aaron Monk, James Hubbard are two of the ones that spring to mind. Um, Two fantastic victories over Michael Van Gerwen in finals, but have struggled since the game has moved on. But you think those finals are, what, 10, 12 years ago now? The sport has evolved massively in that time, especially at the grassroots and youth level. And some players just have not been able to make that transition there's plenty of names being thrown around that you can talk about as a good player back in the day that hasn't quite bought it onto a pro game not everybody's cut out for it so look, I, there's, there's people in the chat room said about q score being lucky I, I, I don't agree with it being lucky you're not gonna get lucky four times and if you do get lucky four times and you're lucky enough to go and get lucky on a pro tour that's not luck there's got to be some sort of ability in there you're not going to get you're not going to throw three random darts at the board constantly and keep making your way through you have to have, some level of ability. That's just how it works. And then you have the decision to decide to progress on it. Um, I'm going to bring this a little bit full circle before we move on from the youth discussion. And I completely forgot about this while we spoke about that final. But we do have um, Ted Evitt's interview from After The Game. We'll listen to that one. And then, folks, you've kept me waiting long enough. We do have the graphic ready to go. We will talk about the World Championship draw in a little bit more depth and how it all pans
1: out. But this is Ted Evitt. That's a bit like Humphreys, isn't it, really? <laughs> Last opportunity, and I-, I think it shows a bit of guts, really, if I'm honest, but, no, do you know what? I said at the start of the day to Owen right loss, I'm going to win this today. And he goes, Uh like, 20 quid, 40 quid, like, come on. Went, yeah, okay, whatever. And the first game came up, 3-0 down, thinking, oh, I'm 40 quid out of pocket, it got of But, no, um, as soon as I started to find the ball today, it was kind of like, it was going to have to take something great to me kind of thing like i was um finding good finishes at times i mean i've had a 134 150 170 uh, decent times i mean the 150 and 170 to win to win matches earlier and the 170 to get onto the stage game so it showed a lot of goods today from myself i think and it's just teach that to myself a bit more and kind of believe a bit more he especially
2: after he was obviously the man that lost to Fallon Sherrick, most famously, at the Ali Pal. It's been a bit of an up and down couple of performances from Ted since then. But he is the World Youth Champion in, like I said, his final attempt, similar to Luke Humphreys, And it was thoroughly deserved after coming through that field. Right, boys, it is time to hide our faces once again because that's the only way I can get the graphic up on the screen or I'll ask the man in the background to do it um there will be an overlay of the world championship draw in all of its glory there we go boys um let's take a look at that let's go quarter by quarter shall we quarter number one going pro- i'm not i'm not reading it all out boys um any ties that stand out for you luke apart from what well, even the ones we discussed but let's let's remind people
4: well, I think first off, it's going to be Steve beaten against Fallon Sherrick. Look, we were all looking for a name coming out of the draw. It's going to be interesting. Steve hasn't been on great form, but if he turns up and can average sort of 90, 95, potentially he takes a couple of sets of her and pushes her quite far. But then if she does get through that round, Kim Hybrex is someone that's coming into a really good bit of form recently. So that could be a little bit of a an interesting one for me. And then you look at the one just below that as well. Ross Smith against Jeff Smith, really disadvantaged. By winning the uh, the Continental Cup tournament and getting himself in as an international qualifier rather than a pro tour qualifier. Ended up with one of the better pro tour players in Ross Smith, who is another one coming into form and then potentially facing Stephen Bunton in round two. So Jeff Smith's got his work cut out if he wants to try and make it through to round three. And we'll have to see what he gets from there. But them two, definitely in that first section of the draw, really do stand out for me.
2: <coughs> yeah, Lee, what, what, what takes your fancy?
4: Yeah,
3: I'm just moving down and looking at section two and it's hard to not look at that German tie of Florian Hempel and Martin Chinle to, to meet Dimitri. Um, but just just a tupper up from that, we've just spoke about him um, in a bit of depth, Ted Everts coming up against Jim Williams. Uh, we've had question marks before about Jim Williams, especially early on in tournaments. Um, proved just runs at the slam. If Ethan turn up and we can see the Ted that we saw in that final, that's going to be a very, very interesting first round. And not only that, how difficult to tie that his first round. The Ted Everts and Jim Williams meet Joe Tullin and Florian Hempel and Schindler meet, the winner of that meets uh, Dimitri. So, it's not as if you've got a very tough first round and not as difficult seeded draw, uh, as there is some in that 32 you'd like to draw. Dimitri and Joe Tullin have very, very difficult draws. Yeah, and look, without
2: being disrespectful, if, if you glance quickly at this draw if you wanted to be in a section, I think you might pick this one at the minute. The way that the qualifiers yeah. and, and the, the players that have come in, there's some very, very good matchups, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't look like there's any out-and-out superstars that you absolutely dread playing at the minute. They look like all the games match up pretty nicely. I think every player in that draw will be fancy in their chances. There's none of them that are going to look and go, oh, I've got an absolute nightmare. I've got to, look, they're all going to work their ass off before, between now and the World Championship, but none of them are going to go into the game Petrified of their opponent, and even when it translate into the seeded players, I still think there's an argument that every single player in that draw could get through their first round game and their second round game.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on that section. There's just there's names you look at, obviously that in that in section two, people like James Wade, Mervyn Tind, um, I know they're two boys. People like Dimi. As much as there's no surprise if they don't want to net to the semi-finals or finals. The thing is, they are also players, all three of them, who at times can just not turn up and we not see that game. And all of, all of the majority, probably not say all, but majority of that section can then punish those players. Um, so it's going to be very, very interesting. Like I said, there's those of ties in the first round, but then when even when we get to the second round, whoever comes through them first round ties, it's going to be very hard to pick the winner. And they are all going a fancy and run running that. Even... If you looked at someone I know who's on last week, someone like Devon Peterson, you'd have said to him before the draw today, you'll get the winner of Jamie Hughes and Raymond Smith. Jamie Hughes had missed, and um, obviously the players due to COVID, and hopefully he's all well done and well and back playing. But Devon would have taken that draw, and then once you've got that one win on the stage, we've seen Eric can inspire so many people. So I think that draw can open up for a few of them. Most definitely, Luke. On to section three. You've got the honors
2: once again of the top right hand corner give us a brief overview of that one and your games of the round in that part
4: yeah so I think for first round games I think Suter against Portela it's obviously nice to see the South uh, South American representation there if Portela can turn up and, and sort of play as a game Suter started the year so well but has tailed off slightly that could be interesting either of them will fancy their chances against Mensah Soljevic, someone that's out of form he's one of the seeds you would have really liked to draw so a potential route into round three and in round three, you could potentially face Jose D'Souza, who again isn't playing so well. So anybody in that mini section of the draw will be fancying their chances of potentially having a little bit of a run to the last 16. Another one I look at is Brendan Dolan playing either Callum Rids or Yuki Yamada. Rids is coming in as the number one seed on the Pro 2 Order of Merit. He's won two titles this year. He's in form. Dolan's coming off the back of a semi-finals, the Players' Championship. He's in form. That's up a brilliant clash in round two, first of three sets. Let's see how that one goes. Potential tie again in the next round against Nathan Aspinall or even Mernon or Paul Lim. The fact that we're seeing it, Lim make, I think, his 27th appearance at the World Championship, but I may be mistaken there. Again, a stalwart of the World Championship, two contrasting styles in both Mernon and Lim, but then in potentially Lim and Aspinall. So it sets up a few interesting ties. We'll have to see how they go, but there's a few ties in that, that third section. I know we said about the second section not potentially being the strongest. I think, to be honest, we're looking at it one and four as a bit of a, a really tough section, but two and three, I think you'd happily take being drawn in those sections. I think some of the seeds are a little bit out of form. <coughs> the right is, isn't and, and is coming in with some form, and so is Ryan sell but the bottom half is section, uh, of section three, you might fancy a chance against some of them. Yeah, definitely. I'm
2: just going to add my two pence to this section. A couple of years back, we saw a young German make his mark on the sport. He looked very, very good up on that stage. And Nico Kurtz, Fabian Schmutzler has the opportunity to do that this time out. Ryan Meikle in the first round, but potentially a matchup with Peter Snakebite-Wright in round two. Very, very exciting talent. Keep your eyes on that game indeed. Lee, you get the honour of talking us through this <laughs> section before. And I must say, Nate... I take the mic, but this is 100% an honour. You will struggle <laughs> to find a better draw than this for a quarter segment of the World Championships.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure I'll be the only one talking about this section. I've not been on Twitter, obviously, because we've been on here since, but I'm assuming that's blowing up as of section four. Section one looks very impressive. As Luke just touched upon two and three, there's a, there's a few draws that you'd like to be in. Section four is just... For a player, it's absolutely disgusting from a fan point of view, it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, just a couple of the, the toys that stand out. Obviously, John Norman was a name we were all looking forward to seeing who he gets. Probably not the, the most interesting name or opponent that could have been matched up, but someone who's been informing Chaz Barstar with a winner playing MPG, but then the two standouts in this in this quarter are Adrian Lewis. Coming up against Matt Tambell. Hopefully, we'll see the Matt Tambell uh, that we've seen before and that we've seen get to the standards, not the one we've seen at the Slam. And Eaton pushed Lewis all the way for them meeting up with Darry Anderson. And then uh, I know, Jonathan Eaton is the number one fan of Barney. He's got Lawrence Lander <laughs> to land take on Rob Frost. What a draw. It's that quarter. And I've only touched on three of those. We've got players like Nick Kenny, then Robert John Rodriguez, Nick Kenny coming through today, Ethan Tate on Lee Humphreys, all looking at the seeds in, in this quarter, it was going to be a difficult quarter anyway. With Barney and Adrian Lewis also coming into to this quarter as unseeded players, it just makes it even better. It's the quarter you want to avoid. I know we always, when it comes to football or anything, it's a group of death. This is definitely the quarter of death. It's It's... For a player, it's a riff it. it, really is. But for us, it's going to be brilliant to watch. And trying to pick who comes out of that, obviously, most people will side towards MVG, but there's a lot of names in the mix.
2: I mean, every single line of this section just has something intriguing. You look at the seeded players that we haven't really touched on, doby Luke Humphreys, Darryl Gurney in this section as well. Ian White finds himself in this section after a tough, tough year. And not only that, he's potentially got a world champion as his first game. Scott Mitchell waits if he gets past Chris Lammon, An absolute stinker of a draw for anybody that finds himself in that bottom quarter. Right, boys, you know the score by now. We're not going to go through every single game, but I am going to ask you for your four semi-finalists don't give
3: me confused? chance
2: you look confused mate
3: I was expecting this like what what's our pre-world show two weeks today
2: okay we'll ask Luke for his because we possibly won't see Luke again between now and the start of the world Championships. Lee, I'm,
3: I'm just trying i to work out still out these pauses so I'll put him pause on <laughs> on all the best as that is to
2: focus on. Luke, I'm it. putting you straight on the spot
4: Right. I'm not going to go with the obvious options because I know for a fact there'll be some shocks. So, first off, I don't think Price makes the semi finals. It's, it, it's an, out, an outlandish call. I don't think he makes the semi finals. I think Clayton gets to the semi finals. There is going to be an all Welsh class. Johnny Clayton will knock and Price out. He is not defending that world championship, right? That's, that's the first, first shock. Now, section two, I don't think it's going to be one of the top two seeds in this section to get through. I don't think Wade or Dimitri Annenberg will make the semi finals. I'm gonna go for Christopher Tyski I know the, the poor Eagle. Eagle isn't rated well on TV. I think this time round he gets it right. And I do think he gets all the way to the semi-finals. He's gonna have a he's got a he's got a pretty good draw in the first couple of rounds. If he can get past Mervyn King, he steamrollers Dimitri Annenberg and he gets to the semi-finals. Section three hey,
2: say the line, say the line. If he makes the semi-finals of the world championships, will our producer for the day admit he's a different animal on <laughs> TV?
4: <laughs> i believe he's an animal on tv i I think he's coming good and i I think for me polish eagle he's he's one to watch he's the ones to watch section three obviously i have just said peter wright should be coming in as the favorite for the tournament but again i don't think peter wright is going to win the world championship and i don't even think he's going to make the semi-finals again another one i don't think he's going to make it i actually back probably ryan searle to make the semi-finals of the world championship whether he'll win it i doubt that but Coming off some good form in the world in the players' championship. I think he goes all the way to the semi-finals of the worlds. Let's see what happens. But I'm gonna go with Ryan sell Then in section four, I don't think MVG makes the semi-finals either. I think there's gonna be a world championship of shocks, right? I just don't see any of the big four other than Clayton making the semi-finals, right? Honestly, I thought about this long and hard. I, I don't think they will make it. Section section four, I'm leaning towards Rob Cross. He's coming into some form. He's got a very tough draw in the second round against Romain Van Barnevel, van but he's starting to find that ability to win games again. If he comes up against Michael Van Gerwen in the quarterfinals, I see a repeat of the result in 2018. He's going to make the semi-finals. And who knows how he plays. And from there, does he win the World Championship? Who knows? Who knows?
2: And I thought my predictions for the, <laughs> for the players' championships were a bit out there after I said Adrian Lewis would make the semi- Finals. I mean, I got Clayton, but I think most people got Clayton. I can't remember who else I had last week, Lee. We, we didn't even touch on that because it was just a bad week for all of us. None of us had Peter
3: yeah, surely. No, I think I had like MVG Humphreys or something in my final, maybe.
2: <laughs> Standard. Yeah.
3: <miles laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't have Royal right so
2: yeah, Luke, if I were you, I'd, I'd close your eyes before the by the chat room moves on a little bit because you're getting a little bit of stick for some of those predictions.
4: You know what, right? We'll come. I'll go, I'm going to come back on <laughs> on the so, fallout
2: we'll bar. Two years in a row. Yeah.
3: So, are, are we? Are we having? Are we having his final and who his winner is?
2: Dov, from from that uh, peak. <laughs> yeah, go on, then, Luke. Finish it off.
4: Right. So, Reti is going to play against Johnny Clayton. and going to take a two-set lead. But Johnny Clayton, he's going to get hes gonna get rolling and he's going to continue this form that we've seen all year. Johnny Clayton ends up coming through that one. It's quite a close one. It's 6-4. Johnny Clayton's going to make the final. cross and quite Surl. precise.
2: I feel like you're doing Mystic Mardle right now.
4: Look, we'll see. if this all comes true, then I'll give you the lottery numbers on the 3rd of January. But we'll have to <laughs> see what happens. If I got two of these right, I'd take that because I think there's some shocks in there. So if two of them come right, then you know what? I- I'll hold my hands up. I am a bit of a Mystic Meg. So Cross against Searle. I think this one goes long. I think Searle wins at 6-3. I think Searle makes the world final. I think from that point onwards, he gets put into the Premier League. But that's the story for another day. We'll see what happens after the final. But Searle, Searle makes the world final.
2: Shells all over
4: the place here, <laughs> mate. Jeez. Searle, people, honestly, people in this chat room are going to think that I'm, I'm just away with the fairies but genuinely there's always shocks in the world championship and if you're expecting the top no, four to fairies me, are
2: believable mate I think you're away with far worse
4: <laughs> I've, I've, you know the, the, the
3: shirt the shirt on the back of, um, of his wall there do I believe that Luke's been in the
4: tassel <laughs> with uh, David Ginola <laughs> the final for me I'm, I'm going with the ferret to win the world championship i think he comes out a winner 7-5 against ryan sell i think we're going to have a world championship to remember it's going to be full of shocks we're really going to enjoy it after a fantastic draw i think it sets it up really nicely for christmas let's see what happens maybe i'm i'm miles away from what actually happens but if the top if um johnny clayton or Goen price don't make it through i would be shocked if peter wright mbg and Goen price all make it through the semi-finals i will eat my hat there's no way that's happening this year Dart and we snipped that little bit there. That was Derwin Prize,
3: Peter. Right, who was
4: the other one. An MVG hey, at the
3: semi-finals, he'll eat his out. There's
4: no way all three of
3: them at the semifinals. I will buy you a new hat, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um PB is in the chat room. He says the Michael Van Gogh in question has been asked. I cannot remember what the Michael Van question van Gogh in question is, but we've been promising it we'd ask him the next time we spoke to him. I think it was if he could have one dart back. Which yes. one would it be? Yes. That question has been asked, which hopefully means I'll be up on our YouTube channel shortly. And hold on a minute, boys. I'm just getting Phil Bars' predictions for the World Championships in my ear. I'm not wearing anything, but, you know, uh, Fallon Sherrock wins the first quarter. She beats Gerwin Price in the third round, <laughs> um, then beats Michael Smith. Not to be for Bully Boy once again, but he goes deep and he will be in the Premier League because he deserves to be in the Premier League. Uh, in the second quarter, not James Wade because don't like him. Uh, Dimitri Vandenberg will make it through. Uh, in the third section, we're going to go Nathan Aspinall. Why not? We we'll go a little bit out there. And in the fourth section, Michael van Gerwen is the most dominant player that ever lived. Smashes everybody off the board to nil, and he makes it to the semi-finals. That is Phil Bar's predictions for you here <laughs> on the live. Lab. <laughs> We'll on, see how then, close I am in two weeks' time, shall we? <laughs> we
4: shall. Come on, go. We want to hear what 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 are you saying? Who who are you said?
2: Oh no, because I'm definitely gonna change my mind more than once between now and the next time. Like, as as
4: wait, I've got to put you on the spot. If you want to change your mind between now and then, you can have different opinions. But come on, if I've sent my outlandish predictions, you can't leave me here looking like a fool. You're gonna have to come up with some predictions Fair that, that
2: right. well, might potentially happen. Immediate Luke. reaction to the draw before I take a proper deep look at it and, and... Actually write some stuff down before Barzi asks me the question. And next time we do the, the prediction with Phil hosting and whatever, if it's different, let me know. If it's a saying, then brilliant, because that means I'm actually pretty consistent. But I don't tend to look back at what I predicted. Uh, section number one, I'm with you. I think Clayton gets past Price. I just think he's solid. Uh, I've got Johnny Clayton. I, 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 I thought Johnny Clayton would win the Players' Championship. I'll be completely honest. I thought the World Championship would be a bit too far. And I'm not saying Johnny Clayton is going to win the World Championship. But I do think he makes the semi final. I think he's absolutely solid if he gets out in front. Section number two.
4: Christopher Tyski. So I'm hearing.
2: It is difficult not to. (laughs) Um, That being said, though, I've got to go Wadey. I still think this could be the year that he has a run. I was very, very worried about his form before um, the last. I don't believe. Grand I don't slam. believe
3: you've just done in at Phil Barnes with MVG. You straight away have done for James Wade.
2: Hear me out, though. Right there,
3: earpiece. The, I've done it coming in from <laughs> Dom. Before that group game against Rob Cross, absolutely not. At
2: the Grand Slam, James
3: Wade is up moving teams in the same section, so the time of eating the final. Yeah. Like <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um,
2: before the Grand Slam group game against Rob Cross and then the performance later on as well, absolutely no chance, but. He's back hitting maximum. Took a very, very good performance from Daryl Gurney to beat him earlier this weekend. I know he doesn't particularly like the venue or the format or anything like that, which is why I think he makes a semi-final, but no further, which gives you a hint that I think Johnny Clayton makes the world final. Uh, section number three, Peter Wright, 100%. The man's promise he's going to win it. Tells us he should be favourite. So that's where we're going to go with that one. And section number four, gary
4: Ooh, okay no words needed gary anderson it's
2: just gary he's just Fair. got the ability to rock up and give it a go potentially about to lose first round be randy lewis or matt campbell but at the same time if he gets his teeth into it ian white that's a nice little part of the draw considering that entire quarter i think to work his way up and if he gets going look i've looked back and said that anderson was poor in the year that he made the final against Girwin price previously don't think he was that bad, actually. It felt bad watching, and it didn't feel like free-flowing Anderson. But if you go back and look at all of the numbers from that year, they were actually pretty consistent and pretty solid for a gander that we said was in absolutely no form at all. He looks a little bit better, looks a little bit more determined. Practicing with Ryan Searle, if they get some practice time in between now and the World Championships in a couple of weeks' time, they'll only push each other on. So I'm going with that one but I'm going to go for a Johnny Clayton versus Peter Wright World Championship final and Snakebite regains the Sid L trophy. You, heard, yeah, uh,
4: you know, I completely agree with Lee. I cannot believe you've just had a go at Phil for picking MVG <laughs> when you've literally gone for Wade and Wright to it at the semifinals. Like the most predictable lineup you could ever have gone with. I'm sure you've I'm said right that for the last like 15 so, tournaments. If
2: Wade is in any other quarter, no chance. No chance. I don't back him to get through it, but he's in... The nicest of the four quarters, in my opinion, on, on first inspection. And he, he started to play well. He's turned a corner recently. Shocker having back Gerwin Price. Haven't back Barney, so give it a rest, Jar. I can see that comment. No one else can. And <laughs> uh, look, are you going to back against Snake Bite? Silly boys. Silly boys. The man's told us he's going to win it. So that's where we're going. Lee, we'll come to your predictions the next show or the next time we do our big world championship preview show uh it is nine o'clock already we haven't done question time yet so we're going to go to about 20 past if that's okay with you two we are still pretty early in times of this week lee's face says no let's say 10 past let's be 10 past, ten past. let's ten fly ten. through it then what we're about <laughs> to do now folks is announce the winners of our giveaways from last week's 50th ever episode now i don't know who's won these Jar is about to flash up the winners on screen. I'm hoping he's done them individually. So first up, we should hopefully have the winner from the programme. And to win the signed programme, what you had to do was tell us how many times Philip Bars said the words 100% in our first ever show. Now, I only actually found out the answer to this earlier by asking Lee, because he hadn't told us up until this moment. And I'll be honest, it's not as many... As we had hoped, I'm trying to spin this out a little bit longer, Lee, before you tell us the answer. See Jar typing away frantically, flashed it up and disappeared again. How many times did Phil Bars say the words 100% in our first ever show, Leroy?
3: Item 100% confirmed that he said it seven times. Just seven?
2: Just seven. The numbers, people went pretty high with some of the guesses from what I yeah. remember. Hopefully well, I, it was
3: well on- I will say it was on the first show that was only, I think, about 48 minutes of coverage. So in a normal two-hour show, and as we was last week, two and a half hours, you'd often think that number was probably 20, 30s, but there was only seven in show one.
2: Yeah, I absolutely dread to think how many he says on a full (laughs) two-hour hit. Um, But hopefully the winner is about to appear on screen. I believe they predicted six, so you were the closest. Hendy, if you are watching, if not, we'll drop you a reply. To your comment last week uh, on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, drop us a message, and we will get back to you on that one. Next up is the winner of the signed board from the World Seniors Qualifiers. It is signed by both of the qualifiers, Richie Halson and Kevin Burnett, and also by Helen Chamberlain. There was no real criteria for this one, so we have random generated the winner from this from everybody that commented in on the comments of last week's show, and hopefully the winner of that one is about to pop up. Andrew Kinsman, congratulations, buddy. You've been here and all for awful long time. You have won the signed darts Drop us a DM on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We'll get back to you, and we'll get that one posted out to you as soon as we can. Hopefully, once Barzi's return from the far northeast back down to hometown and picks that board up where it's currently in southampton that's a bit of a trek newcastle to southampton so give us a bit of time to get that one to you um 10 minutes of question time then folks get in the chat room and fire away we will flash your questions up on screen this week absolutely our pleasure andrew Do we have any previous questions to pop up, Jar? No, just people laughing at my Phil Bar's impression. <laughs> I think the
3: reason there's not as many as normal is because we've obviously done the show a bit different with a World Championship uh, watch of
2: London. We've seen that, but there's one in here. That's the one. Oh, saw so. this earlier from Henry, and he's waited the full length of the show <laughs> to flash it up again. Should the 10th Premier League spot be left until the Masters again this year? Like it was in 2021. I think, boys, we're allowed the PL discussion now. It's late enough in the year. There is just the World Championships in front of us. We can mention the P word. Luke, I will go with you as it stands right now. Would you leave that 10 spot open?
4: 100%. Yes. It added so much. That it's so much of a different dynamic to the the Masters. Usually, quite an unexciting tournament. You suddenly had. Johnny Clayton and Mervyn King in a one-match shootout for a spot in the, the the most potentially one of the most prodigious tournaments in darts. So, one hundred percent, it really added a new dynamic to the Masters. It was really quite exciting this year. So, definitely, definitely would do that.
2: Lee, how about you? Oh, I'm not convinced. Um, Look, on this there's degree, actually no guarantee, by the way, that yeah. the Masters winner will be awarded that spot. Last year, as Matt Port said, it was a complete accident. That that's the way it left out. They were, they were going to pick a player based on performances. It turned out the two players that hadn't qualified for the Premier League as yet made the final. And at that point, it became a shootout, which was absolutely the perfect thing to do. It was Mervyn King against Johnny Clayton. How different would this year have been, by the way, if Mervyn King had won the Masters instead of Johnny Clayton? How ridiculous is it, a notion that this started, was borrowed of one of the most successful TV title runs in a calendar year? Ever.
3: The year of twenty twenty one wouldn't have been as good. That's all I'll say on that one.
2: Um, that winning. What's your
3: mouth about <laughs> <laughs> the, Yeah, the the one for me is I'm not we're not gonna have that situation. Probably if you look at the next five, six years of finals, the chance of us having two players in there who are not already in the Premier League is gonna be slim. I've not looked back over the previous years. I'm sure someone will jump in and tell me if I'm running without with. But moving forward, to have then a tournament where you've potentially got the quarter-finals, where seven of the eight are already in the Premier League, potentially in something like that, do you then give it to the lowest place? I just think if you're doing it for the Masters, you've got to have it set that... Do you have it set that it's the winner of the Masters or it's this player? How, how do you position that? For me, if you're doing that, you probably pit eight, and then you have two sort of wildcard pits at, at the end of the Masters. One of yeah. which is the Masters winner, if they then go on and win it. Does it seems a bit unfair that you've got someone sitting potentially on that sort of basis? I know there's going to be the, the question mark around who's stolen a certain person potentially then at the all hard no. It's well, those sort of pits. What what do, do we do? We name eight? Do we name nine? Do we name ten? Do we do Adrian Lewis and name 16 and put everyone in it? It's obviously that's not going to change within a state of ten we've seen the format release. But um, for me, I, I don't think you do it just on that basis because you just have to be careful that you don't get to a masters and everyone's done. There's different pressures as well. You don't know, think those two players didn't know until the final. If Johnny Clayton knew at the start of the weekend that winning that, does he still play the same way? There's potential questions that maybe he doesn't, because that that fear that the nervousness on each winning dart means he's one step closer to the Premier League. It's one of those he didn't know nothing about, so
2: there is another issue in that leaving it that late, the way they did last year, sets a precedent. And if it were to fall to a winner that they don't particularly want in the Premier League, as we know it's it's pretty much a decision on a whoever, to then go against that would be incredibly interesting. Again, in terms of the way that the, the PDC operate, So, leaving it open-ended, look, there was a comment about uh, they'll leave it until after Q-School as well. Potentially, the cynic in us suggests that that won't be necessary should Fallon Sherrock is it reach the third round or win in the third round and reach the fourth round? Because
3: Reach, I believe, it's winning two days. Third
2: round. So, should Fallon Sherrock secure a match-up with potentially Gerwin Price, <laughs> At that moment, she'd be playing the world number one and world champion to potentially knock him out of defending his title, as she secured a tour card and would virtually then be in the Premier League, absolutely no doubt.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, that's going to be an, <laughs> that's going to be an interesting one. We we can say what we want about Sherrick. It's really it comes down to the commercial value, and I, to, to be honest, I don't think the PDC would have her as a wild wildcard pick. That one probably comes down to whether Sky want a. On the tv every week and realistically if she's got a tour card then i think the commercial value they probably will go with it so maybe she's a shoe in if she does get through to the third round and gets a tour card but without one i think it's very difficult to see them giving her one because i think the backlash would be would be pretty horrendous yeah i still think though i, I still think for me leaving the masters as an open-ended competition yes it does open the pdc up to potentially having a player that they didn't want in there that, that's won a major title but to be honest you know, Wade's already won the UK Open, so if he wins the Masters, he is definitely a shoe in. But I don't know. I think, look, the, the PVC can can be seen to try and divvy up who they want in and who they don't. But if the player wins the Masters and they've, and they've left it as open ended, then I think it's a foregone conclusion that they get put in. So it's a risk they've got to take, but it adds value to a tournament that otherwise was pretty unexciting. So I, I don't see any other option than leaving it until after the Masters again, because it works so well this year. Yeah, Luke, on that, I'm not
3: I'm not opposed to it completely being the Masters winner then that's in. I just think that need to be careful that if you get a tournament then that we've built it up to be that the winner does in, but then you've got a quarter-final or semi-final, more than likely semi-final, final, where you haven't got one in. It's what then do you do with that one? Have you already got that name ready and publicly ready? Are you hiding it that someone's been told? And not only that, it's a turnaround. We don't know, as, as Doug alluded to earlier when we were talking about fans, we're not sure as well in the COVID position we'll be in. Hopefully, we'll be where we are today. But that Masters, and then the, I believe the Masters ends on the Sunday, Premier League starts on the Thursday. It's going to be very... If we're in the, the state we're in now, in the UK, then it, and and what, um, we should be fine to have sort of a late decision. If we're not, I don't know how they can do that with that four-day turnaround. Um, I agree there needs to be more on the Masters. It needs something. It needs different feel to it and that Premier League certainly Dave, that last year but it only gave it in the semi-finals and finals when that conversation was starting I think
4: No I think that's a, I think that's a fair point and, and you're right because there's not many masses that I can remember where we've had two players that weren't already in the conversation for the Premier League both playing each other for the final in an effective shootout. And there's every chance that we could have like a, a right against Price uh, final. And then, yeah, that there is no waiting on that. So it, it, it does completely depend. I guess if you've got 24 players, there's more of a chance that an outsider gets in than if you had 16. But it... it, it I think, to be honest, you still have to put some weight in. Let's say two players that were in the conversation made the semi-finals. I think you've still got to consider those performances in who you pick. But maybe they had someone yeah. in line and if there wasn't a, a run to a final and they're already secure or something like that. But, I mean, we discussed this last year. If Clayton had only made the, final, uh, had only made the semi-finals and, and so would King, who, who would have got selected then? And it, it would have been a difficult conversation to have. But... It, it does it, it leaves it as, a, as an open door but I, I do think it's worth taking the risk of, of not having someone definitely ready and it, as long as we are you're right if, we, if we're in the same position that we are now that they can afford the late turnaround but if not then potentially someone has to get picked slightly before because it is a late turnaround this year
2: yeah 100 plenty of questions in the chat room we'll go with this one from craig we are going to wrap up very very shortly as Leah's elsewhere to be apparently we're not good enough for him an hour before <laughs> we really be finishing the show it's not like he's not normally sat with us until quarter past 10 every week but you know we're not I'm good not- enough pal, well, that's absolutely fine you just want to go and watch the gerwin price documentary on itv4 that everybody's making fun of me in the chat room for craig says did i hear right from charlotte there's a fallout bar every night during the world championships you know it buddy we'll be getting our router sorted out amongst ourselves very very shortly But that is the entire premise of that show. For every week-long or greater televised ranking event, we will have a fallout bar, and that will be back. For the World Championships, you can ignore your family members for just that little bit longer. We'll be here to talk you through all of the action you've just seen. King Cook, if Wade gets displaced from number four, do you think Sky PDC will snub him for a Premier League pick? I have my opinion on that. Phil Bars has the complete opposite opinion on that. I don't think he should get snubbed. There are plenty out there that will say that he will because he did get a backdoor entry last year after Gerwin Price had to withdraw his getting to the Premier League final last year. Good enough to guarantee Jose a Premier League spot next year. It was good enough for Nathan Aspinall last year. Whether or not it'll be good enough for a player that Sky didn't particularly want in the lineup previously is yet to be seen, especially as he is struggling of late. I think Jose de Souza needs a good couple of performances at the World Championships to remain in contention for that one. Um, And then, Jamie, what do you think the odds are of a Price versus Gando repeat? Look, complete opposite quarters of the draw. They both have to come through tougher sections of the draw right now. Um, But I can certainly see it happening. As I've backed one of them, and I've backed the other one to lose to his compatriot. But if he does do the job over Johnny Clayton, I'd certainly think that section is between those two without writing anybody off. Gents, I think that is enough for this evening. Thank you very much to everybody that has joined us this evening from the World Championship draw. Watch along all the way through our usual ramblings. Um, don't forget, please, folks, to like the stream before you do disappear. Subscribe to the channel. And all that jazz, the Live League, is back tomorrow. You can catch that one and what lineup it is, as we've already mentioned plenty of interviews still to come on this channel. We've got John Park ready to go very, very soon. Um I believe there's a Peter Manley interview somewhere in the pipeline. Phil Bars has been up in Newcastle this weekend and has asked um Michael Van Gogh in that question that everybody's been itching for. Um, he's also had a sit down with Glenn Dorant, which we're hearing has been very, very good. Um, so don't forget to stay tuned for all of that as we build up to the World Championships. Christmas is here. Uh, Lee and Luke, thank you very, very much for joining me this evening. And thank you to Jarla in the background for flashing everything up on screen so we can focus on just chatting nonsense. We'll be back next Monday night with the live lounge. We'll be back to the usual lineup of myself, Lee and Phil Bars. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. And we'll see you next week.